There you, you can go. see me now. Now I can see you. What's going on, my man? What's going on? Not much, my man. Just getting some work done today. That's what's up, man. I love How we doing with you? You live in Miami, right? Yeah, South Florida. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. I'm up in Tampa. Oh, you live in Tampa? Yeah, I live in the 813, bro. Oh, that's what's up. I thought you lived in, yeah. in Philadelphia, man. No, nah, I'm just there back and forth. I work with a couple guys like out of a studio there. So <clears throat> once in a while, I just go there and back and crush some work for the weekend for the most part and kind of collaborate with see what's new and fresh up in Philly. Uh, Tampa is like the home. I love Tampa. Oh, that's what's I'm up. I'm probably never leaving Tampa. I said the same thing when I moved here in Florida, man. I was like, I'm never leaving this area, man. Where are you from originally? Um, born and raised in San Juan, Puerto Rico, man. Oh, yeah, man. I went to San Juan once, Bacardi Distillery. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went on a bar trip. I was a bartender for a long time, and they were just like, yo, let's go to San Juan, just get wrecked for a couple of days. So I was like, let's go. I'm down. <laughs> so you enjoy you enjoy very much Puerto Rico, huh? Yeah, I like it a lot. I like a lot of Puerto Rican food. That's because we get the best food ever, man. We got the combination yeah. about everything, man. It's Whatever. all about the tostones and the mofongo. Oh, oh, you just hit home right now, man. You just hit home, man. That's all what's day, up. Bro. You guys got any Puerto Rican restaurants over there in Tampa? Kind of. Uh, we're more like Cuban. Like They got a lot of Cuban sandwich spots here. Right. Apparently... Tampa has the first Cuban sandwich, but everybody says it's Miami. But I looked it up and it was actually like Tampa. And I realized that a lot of people like to specialize in that stuff here. And especially like the um, gas stations, bro. You can find random, really good gas station Cubans around here. It's so weird. <laughs> but I grew up in New York. So like I'm used to like Puerto Rican spots being around. Oh, shit. OK. So you so you grew up with my with my brothers and sisters up there, my New Yorkans there. New Yorkans, you know, they say four Spanish words in the middle of a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> and my that's barber, it. my my barber, bro. I've been using the, I've been using the same barber in Tampa for the last yeah. like 10 years or so. And like every time I think he's talking shit about me, he's not because he speaks English like in the middle of the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like family. He go we go we go with that Spanglish route, you know, a lot of times. Yeah, even we even though we got people who know how to speak Spanish. Spanish, we still went on this English version out of it. We just go Spanglish. Few words and then pen English again. Exactly. Get people back on track, off track, back on track. And then yeah. the other New Yorkans there, Spanish people, they'll yeah. understand you at least. First things first, man. Um, I just want to say thank you for coming into the show, man. This is the Lone Wolf Podcast, man. No problem, man. I just uh I just checked you out when you hit me up, and I was thoroughly impressed with some of the people that were on there as well. Oh, yeah interviews yeah you conduct them very well too thank you very good very much man i mean i try i'm trying my best man this is right now like the biggest thing i've started right now like a year ago when the pandemic hit and since then i've been like getting better learning more new tricks learning more about my surroundings and the and how to, how to proceed with people how to talk properly with people right how, to, how to get to people you know because if you if you look at many podcasts, like especially in the EDM podcast, all, most yeah. of the EDM podcasts they go with the with a standard Q and A route. You know, ask a few a couple of questions. You know, you got your little time, and then you yeah. out. You know, I try my best to not associate myself like that. I want to associate myself more as of like you come over here and just have a nice. Yeah, conversation I'm more of a shit. I'm more of a shoot the shit guy too. I get it. Yeah. 
I've wanted to I've wanted to start a podcast for years on just me and my friends shooting the shit because me and my friends make each other cry laughing. <laughs> <laughs> like if I had a few of my homies on a podcast, it's just like I don't have the time for it. I gotta like work right. and stuff. So heck yeah, man. The pandemic really op- opened up, you know, like a creative thought process for everybody, really. Like you could yeah. try things that you typically wouldn't that you yeah. can get handled from home, you know? Yeah, basically. I mean, I never I, I was always into podcasting. I just never never thought that I would do a podcast by myself. I was just yeah. like, if I were to do a podcast, it would be with someone because at least at least I got somebody to talk to or debate with, you know, or have yeah. a convo with man. Bounce but off it, ideas. Yeah. Like some days you could just not be feeling it. And then when and like it'd be nice to have that person be like, yo, you got an idea, bro. Yeah. It's like that's how I visualize the as if I was ever going to start. But, you know, when the pandemic hit, I didn't know where to go. I had the idea of the podcast and my cousin just like told me like, yo, just go ahead and start by yourself. Like you're a very talkative person. Like you're a talkative person. (laughs) I can tell you. I can tell. I'm really talkative too. Like, and like over text, not so much. Like I'm constantly FaceTiming people just because I just, like texting to me, I feel like as I'm getting older through yeah. my twenties, I'm getting worse at texting. Oh, so like I feel like my fingers aren't moving like they used to when oh. I was like, <laughs> so like, so like, I'll, or I'll be lazy to like fix a spelling error or something, and I'm like, mm. you know what? But I'm a perfectionist at the end of the day, so I'm like, this is gonna bother me. It's gonna take, <laughs> it take me a year to send this two sec, this two sentence text right. would take me a year to send. So I usually just like. FaceTime people because I like shooting the shit with people. Yeah, of course. I'm kind of the opposite. I'm very talkative, but I'd rather like talk to you through text. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I feel you. Like, unless you're like my parents or my girl, like, uh, don't call me. You know, yeah, <laughs> FaceTime me. You. FaceTime me. All right. I, I'll FaceTime you. I, I just I just need to make sure that I'm decent when you now FaceTime the reason me. why I like the FaceTime method, and I've said this to people, and they're like, mm-hmm. wow, I kind of get it, but like it could work for some people. Could okay. not. I figure if I FaceTime somebody, I'm always worried of being like a burden. I don't know if that resonates with anybody's like mm. head, but like anytime I call somebody, I feel like I'm a, almost like a, should I call them or not? Are they too busy? So if I FaceTime them and they pick up and they're in a good mood and they're happy, you can see how to approach the rest of the conversation from there. Mm. So Interesting. you could almost pick topics to talk about with your friends by seeing their emotions to see if they're even ready to talk about what you want to talk about, you know? Right. So like if someone's sad and I call them on the phone, it's just like they, you don't get that like facial recognition that they're feeling some type of way right. that day or something. Right. So like if someone picks up and they're looking like a little upset or something, you can at least try to up their day with something, you, you know? You could try to stay on the happy vibes just because you can actually see the emotion in their face. That's typically why I face them. That's very interesting. I've never thought about that. At least at that approach when you're trying to reach out with somebody, you know? Yeah, because you want everybody's like, like when you're calling someone, you want their attention, right? Yeah. So like if I'm just saying stuff to my friends and they're just like not listening because they're in a shit mood or they're texting or something, you want to make sure they're like drawn into what you're saying. You can't do that over the phone, you know, like over the phone. It's just like you're listening. You can hear things clicking and clacking and they could be cleaning them and whatnot. Not even listen to what you said. That's very interesting. And then I've, Wow, you just gave me a whole new meaning for FaceTime now. Yeah, I smoke a lot of weed, bro. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hey, sometimes great minds comes with, with their greatest weed ever, you know? Bro, honestly, it makes me sit down and write tons of music, so I'm good. That's pretty dope, you know? I can I can never done that in my life, man. Like, every time... When I used to smoke weed back then, um, it just made me so lazy and slow. Like, it, the creative juices never pumped me up. It just dragged me completely. And that's when I became all sober completely. That's where I'm like all my greatest inspirations came out. Like even when I'm taking a dump, that's when my shit comes out and go, oh my God. Yeah, literally. Literally. <laughs> literally, I go, oh my God, I can do this. Oh my God. Now I know how to fix this. Bam. Idea went <laughs> Hell out. Yeah, bro. Yeah. I mean, like I used to be just a before bed smoker mm. to like use it to go to sleep. And then, I mean, my friends kind of influenced me a little bit. Like one of my best friends is Blunts and Blondes. So like, oh, anytime I'm at his house, yeah, we live down the street, uh, not even down the street. Like he lived far away. So I commuted to his house a lot just to sit yeah. there and write tunes all day. But he kind of got me on the wave of like smoking backwoods and stuff. So right. after a while, you're like, damn, bro, I really like appreciate the focus it gives me and like sits me down. Doesn't make me want to walk around or anything. Right. If you get in a creative mood, it's the way to go. But if you got a lot of shit to handle, like. Yesterday, I changed the tire. Shouldn't have did that hot. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. No no bueno, man. No bueno when you no do bueno. that. No bueno. The hot sun in Florida, bro. Oh. How oh. is it over there in Tampa with, with your heat? Oh, it's garbage. The weather sucks. The weather is like my least favorite thing about this place. This time of year, especially. Hmm. It's just like, I don't know. It's humid all the time. You know how it is. Yeah. Like, that- humidity is just too much. And then it rains every day at three. And you're like. You know, I work in an outside bar too. So that's like really bad for money for me sometimes too. Ooh, and you have to dress black shirts and black nah. jeans? Nah, I wear a, a nice little Hawaiian shirt. Oh, I work at this like, okay. I was going to yeah, say, I work at this bar down the street from my house. But I wasn't before, but I got a job at this place. Mm-hmm. And not going to lie, like I almost, I almost needed it. Okay. Not, fin- not financially, like mentally. I realized that I was like sitting in front of my computer too much and getting too much like music work done. Like I was making a living doing music, but it's like after a while it either one becomes inconsistent or two, you start running out of ideas for yourself when you're running a business through it. So like, I don't know. I almost need that like six, seven hour period out of the day to just do something completely off. different. Yeah. Just stop thinking about it because I know when I'm at work and I'm serving drinks to people, I, I bartend. I'll think of stuff all day and I'll be like, I can't wait to get home. I'm going to, I already know what I'm going to lay down. You know, that's, so. that's very interesting because I, normally when I tell people when you're in down the dumps, when it comes to making music all day, you know, and nothing's coming out or you're not having any of the creative uses. Normally I will tell people it's like, all right, do something outside of the box. Like go out, get, go out with your friends or spend time with your friends or family or, do some hobbies like go skate, go surf, go yeah. go basketball, go football, go go to the movies, go do this and that. Just do stuff that keeps your brain occupied. Like it gets you like do something that that you completely forget about the whole music. Exactly. Thing. Because eventually, when you're doing that psychologically, your brain basically is telling you to like I'm resting. And when you're doing other stuff that you normally would do without even thinking, that's when all the creative stuff comes out and pops out yeah. in the middle of nowhere. That's why, you know, when you're saying that you're bartending, 
because it's already a second nature for you to do bartending, serving drinks. Your brain is like not thinking about, uh, let me serve this. Like, no, you already know what you got to do. So a part of your brain basically does. Yeah. Boom. Hey, there's a, there's, this is an idea that you, you can do for your chats. Boom. And yeah. another one, another one. Same goes when you're driving, same when you're showering. That's why most of the time th there's that running gag joke about, you know, all oh, your greatest ideas comes from the shower. Yeah. Because your the, brain the shut down. Yeah. Yeah. The shower is big for me. Like that's, that's probably why, because I, I mean, even just showering, you're um, mechanically doing something. Yeah. You're not just thinking. Right. You're sitting there and you're cleaning yourself just the same as a bar. You're doing tasks. You're actually doing like physical something. Yes. Where you're thinking of, you know, these different things, like the wall is like the best for me because when I was in high school, I used to take big pens and just make beats and have people like freestyle, like mm. at the table. Like that was just my way to fit in when I moved here. And uh, I noticed that like when I'm in the shower, like I'm constantly like beating on the wall and shit. Oh shit. <laughs> like oh, trying shit. to, trying to rap, even though I'm not going to record rap. <laughs> <laughs> That, but you know, you have ideas for other people too, and you get other people on your tracks, and that's exactly how you like with the flow and movement of music, right. like find people for different areas. And that's what you normally do. Like you do beats for for rappers for in the hip hop community, track community, or you do like in general overall, like you put me whatever you need, I'll do it. So the way it started is like when I moved here, I was mm -hmm. doing all those pencil beats and stuff, and they told me to like download fl studio and oh, that was like course. the rat beat like yeah centerfold so i yeah. was like yeah i'll do this and i just made like trash beats in high school <laughs> and then i like got out of high school and i just started going to raves and i was like this mm. is nutty this is completely different this is like this is so much of a happier feeling there were so many fights at rap concerts that i was going to mm. and they were like at, at edm shows it was just like nothing but like Love open arms for everybody yeah. so i love that stuff but it started like i started realizing that like in the middle of everybody's sets they were like trying to mix rap music in there mm. and so i i started like making my dubstep tunes start from hip-hop that way i can still like catch that vibe with the hip-hop mm. and maybe even save some of those loops for people to maybe give to rappers that i like I never thought about selling it, but then COVID started coming around yeah. and you start brushing up a catalog and you see people actually like your beats and stuff. And you're like, damn, all right, cool. So I could just knock out like 10 of these a week because they're simple. They're basic. They're made for people to get on top of. Yeah. It's just like that one, like one different factor that people will always like, whether it be your 808, your, your, uh, your rap tag even. So for the most part, like the hip hop beats are like, not even something I do as a task towards my brand mm. or my business. It's more or less just something that I make in between because I could probably do most of them. Like it's just not, it's not really like too into the keys and the melodies and whatnot. It, there's a lot of just looping and a lot of the same yeah. drums and a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. So it's like essentially those times when I'm feeling just like really tired, but I like still want to, like I still got some ideas. That's when I'll just like pull up a hip pop project start working on some hip-hop and then those beats after a while you know they start residually ending up in a playlist and you send it around and people want to buy them so yeah but for the most part i do a lot of electronic music i do a lot of mixing and mastering engineering mm. for people that's like the big the big thing i do for people especially in florida 
Oh, so you do it right here in Florida. It's like any of the kids out here that are, they're trying to come up, you know, they, they, they look at you and you do the service. Yeah. Honestly, bro, whatever comes out of this state, like now, mm. um, a lot of them either do like a lesson or going to mix a master for me. Oh, that's so dope. it's like, it's one of those things that people push my name a lot in the background. Yeah. Like, Hey, so it implies me, my stuff sound like this or so-and-so did this. I even have friends that I'll recommend like other people to like, if someone recommends me, we have like this backdoor like system we got going on here. I don't know if you guys are familiar with like Tucon, Jared Diaz. He lives in um Orlando. He's an Orlando based producer, but we've been doing this for like a while where like, if I feel like he would do a better job on the job, I would like pawn it off to him and be like, Hey, so-and-so is going to master your tune. I feel like they'd be a really good fit to do it. He would do it and I would do it at the same time for like one or two re- one or two people's stuff. We did that. Yeah. And comparably, they could see why my recommendation went that way. Okay. So you almost got to like read your client. So you can't just be saying, yo, I want to make money and just like make someone's stuff like trash. Because then at the end of the day, you're going to have to edit their stuff all day long. And I mean, it's like, yeah, your name is in there, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like you want to give them, you want to give them like a great, excellent job. You want to let the know it's like I'm, I'm not just like any random dude that does this. Like no, like yeah, my, reputation my, is the big thing. Yeah, reputation for business is like the most important thing because one day that person might have an opportunity for me and see that not even did I like I benefited my friend, but I benefited their project in yeah. some sort of way. You never know; it could come back around. It could not. But what, whether or not you're still you, you're still keeping a good reputation <laughs> in your business, so people will always recommend you at that point. Yeah, I agree. I mean, some some of the stuff that I've done and I've achieved so far is because of my reputation as a bass producer, and as well as because of my hard work and show people like I'm not here to fuck around. Like I'm here to work, and I'm here to work with people. You know, like let's go, let's. Let's bring it all together. Let's do something. Let's make something out. You know, and it's because of that got me far enough to where I am right now. You know, I unfortunately do not make music for a living and make money out of it. However, I still do. I'm an audio engineer for I can't say where I work. I'll edit this part out, but I work for. Oh, cool. As a, as an audio engineer. Really? Yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm a, That's so cool. I'm basically an AV tech for one of the buildings. And I sometimes... What? Yeah. That's fire, bro. I, that's cool. That's like something... So, someone like me, that's like porn to me. Like, <laughs> I've, like that's like if I end up doing that in yeah. some big sequence in life that's going to make me a bunch of money, I'd rather just sit in the studio. Like that's it. Absolutely, man. Like I... I do A1s and A2s once in a while. Now that the things are coming back, like I'm going to start doing like setting up stages and setting up like conference and meetings and whatnot, you know. Like, yeah, man. I, I love doing that, man. That, I mean, that's probably like the best thing that I do. Since do you I get s- satisfied with doing puzzles? Yeah. Because that's what that is. That's what it, that's basically what it is, you know. <laughs> that's why I like making music. I treat it like a puzzle, man. Yeah, so yeah, like it, it's it becomes something that's second nature to me. Like it's not not a big deal, and because I work there and I'm ha- happily working with them, you know, like I'm allowed to do other stuff outside of it. So when I do in my nine to five over there, outside of it, I can use their studio rooms, I can use their conference rooms, I can do exactly, whatever, yeah. and then I can just like hook up my laptop and do my thing. 
or I can actually, you know, start. Well, now recently with my podcast, I can just use one of the rooms and edit all my episodes and do the graphic design. Of Honestly, the reap mix all and, those benefits, man. Mix and master all my shit, you know? So that way, like, it kills the time. That way, basically, I can get my free weekends, you know? I don't have to yeah. stuck every weekend doing jo- work hours or doing other stuff or, or you know, oh, I have to tour or I have to do this and that. I, I Oh, I got a deadline. Like, no, I could just do that throughout the week as well. Because yeah. everything that I do is second nature to me, you know. I've, I've been I've been working with um before I got to there, I used to work in the Clevelander Hotel in South Beach. Oh heck yeah! So I've never been there, but I've heard of it. So it's basically one of the well, back in the day when I back used to work the there, it was it was supposed to be the biggest hotel slash club in all South Beach back in the day. I don't know how how it is. All I know is that as soon as I left. And shit went hit the fan real hard. So yeah, but I gather all my experience from there because from there, shit, bro. Like I learned how to became become a an artist liaison. I become to be a dancer liaison. I became a stage coordinator and a one, you know, producer and a a two striker. I I learned how to do LED tech and programming. Basically, like oh yeah. Like the whole LEDs that you see on the shows and the festivals the, with the, all the mm-hmm. images and shit. I learned how to DJ doing that. Oh, the wait, you learned how to DJ doing that or VJing? VJing. VJing. VJing is great. Yeah. So I, I love I love a good VJ, bro. Like yeah. uh, Jolly Josh in Orlando. He's so dope. That guy's really good. How often does he does he do? He does Kazo stuff. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, he does Kazo okay. stuff. Okay, there's a lot of good VJs out there. Um, like yeah. my, my friend Katie from Atlanta. She's a uh, Katie with the blue hair on Instagram. Mm. She every she did Forbidden Kingdom. She did a whole bunch of artists, including my boy oh, Sully. Oh shit! So she did Forbidden Kingdom not too long ago. Yeah, she did, she did it for Sully. <clears throat> and a couple more artists though, but like she had it during the daytime, and I was like, these visuals are sick. Like this is so yeah. the, the, when they cohesively mix together with the music, it's, just, it's, it's like a puzzle piece. Yeah, my guy. especially especially when you feel like you're in sync with the artist, like you know when the drop is about to hit, and you just drop on the the right image for the right for the right drop, and you just like literally tackle it. It's just like whoa, bro. You actually What's even crazy is I like strobes. Like I'm big strobe. Oh, heavy. I do that shit a lot. Yeah. If anybody comes, if any, like if I get the chance to like meet with the, the VJ before I go on to my sets, I always tell them, "Yo, just go black and white heavy." Yeah. Like I just love, I love that because that's like how like Brooklyn Mirage style techno raves were perceived as in like you know like the '90s and shit. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Like G Jones. G Jones is a awesome job with that shit every time i'm in a g jones set i'm like dude this guy is black and white but his visuals are just better than everybody's because it's so on time it's so cohesively mixed yeah no vjing was very fun back in the day you know and 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 be and i had to do i had to do like work with the lights you know make sure that all the lights go fucking nuts with the crowd and at the same time vjing you know so yeah. it was like an a one man army that that title, bro. So I learned a lot, and it's because of that I managed to do, you know work a few freelance gigs here and there with Life in Color, and 
EDC yeah. and Ultron and shit and whatnot. So it was actually pretty fun, you know. I learned, I learned, and I met a lot of people a lot, for different backgrounds, from and especially from the A and R's to the artists, to the labels to to the managers. Like I, I learned a lot, you know. And the and connections are endless, and not only that, the vibes are endless. Oh, absolutely! Especially when you're like, you know working buddy buddies when these artists and let them know it's like yo I got you on your set bro like you're gonna yeah. you're gonna look like you're fucking Avicii and shit bro and they love hearing that like I love hearing that if someone yeah. says that I'd be like let's go bro yeah we're going we're going out I'm down to we're, go we're going I got, out I got the best photographer here with me bro like let's go document that shit too <laughs> <laughs> bro all in that's all you gotta do bro go all, all in. in all in man which genre actually you inclined to tend to do the most? It was dubstep, right? I do. I mean, I do. I just do like bass music. Mm. Like a lot of my sh stuff sits in the middle of like dubstep with those kind of sounds. But I don't even do like a lot of sound engineering. Like mm. I don't even create a lot of my own sounds. I'm a very sample based producer. I just can manipulate samples very easily. So with that, like. My drums, I like my drums to shine and where drums usually shine the most are in trap music. So I kind of make like a hybrid between like, you know, like hybrid okay, trap. Yeah, yeah, hybrid trap. But are, but sometimes I make some like left field bass stuff. Mm. Sometimes I make, dude, sometimes I make house music. Just, just for the fuck of it, you know, why not? Yeah, yeah. But what I'm releasing, more on the heavier side of things, I like using vocals with things. I used to, I like mm. to use old rap vocals. Like, that's like my cup of tea. One song I got being played out right now is a collab with this kid named Vulcan, also out of Tampa. His name is Sam Swan. Um, also a really good producer. We just stuck an acapella over the top of something that we made. And it just started responding with crowds a lot better than like anything that we've both made. Right. So even before that, I noticed that I made a remix for like a ludicrous song that I like put out online. I didn't even put any like promotion towards it nothing and that that song did a lot of numbers because people were able to like relate to it mm. so i love using the old rap vocals in ways that people wouldn't expect you to use it like ludicrous some old wayne stuff that's interesting that that's actually a very effective way to actually make music you know i actually i have said this to a uh, producer homie of mine here his name is chavalo Shout out to him. He's a very, very, very talented producer. Like, okay. next level guy. Like, he does everything from EDM to beats. But I, the problem with him is that he doesn't finish his tracks because, like, he has so yeah, many projects. I like that too, though. Like, he starts with a project. It sounds sick as fuck. And then he just forgets about it. And then there are times in which he feels like when he's doing a drop and he's like, man... I don't know how I can make the melodies of this. Or how do I create the breakdowns, the verses for the for this drop and shit? Why I told there's him, good techniques to that. There's good techniques. One of them is what you're doing, the acapella. I tell him yeah. like go to Splice and look for some acapella for for someone Dude, you singing. Can even just go to an acapella site and find something that everybody knows. Build yeah. a song around it. Build a song erase, around it. Exactly. And you can erase the acapella, and you already have. There you go. You have the progression. You just had something to help you out. It's like training wheels almost. Basically, I do the same thing once in a while with Virus Syndicates. Shout out to Nick and Dave, man. Those are the uh, Virus Syndicates. Sick. Yeah, those Virus are the Syndicate homies. were some of the really. 
yeah. they were like they were part of like one of the first dubstep songs I ever liked. I don't know. I they worked with Schism a lot, and I like that UK shit. It was so heavy yeah, to me. I loved it. Yeah, I love the fact I I love the fact that I told him once, like guys, like you literally are like the if you probably didn't start rapping for dubstep, you probably are not the first guys, but I'm, you are a pioneer because I, after you guys, like how many more people have followed your trend and start, you know, rapping over dubstep or any, especially case? the grime shit too. Yeah. The grimy shit, you know, and you guys should be proud of it because you actually made a, you revolutionized dubstep in a way to make it not all the time. Just go breakdowns, build up, drop, breakdowns build up drop like no you actually make it feel like more like do they live in miami no they actually the uk live in england or something yeah they, they live in uk it's just that um i went buddy buddies with them on twitter and i know some of the disciple people like most step josh and pat are like Mold my brothers ridiculous josh and pat they're like good friends of mine and i'm happy the fact that these guys are actually going back again especially pat he's the drummer He's so oh, cool. stoked. He's so stoked to to go back and play Mozart live, you know, because that's what he loves. He loves being That's sick. He loves Yeah, Mozart's yeah. always really good. Like his quality and his tracks are really nice. Nah, those guys, Josh is an ex like he's an But that's the thing. Mozart's like on like a second wave of like blow up. I don't get it. It's so cool. Like it's cool to see like people almost revive themselves. In a like, way, because after like, a while you can only you can only make the hottest tunes for so long before you want to take a break. Yeah. Or you want to like, or you're just like not feeling that vibe anymore. But then to have a second wave of almost the identically how good it was when it first came out, yeah, like yeah. on all the old stuff, that's really cool to me. I I agree. And and it wasn't just like most of Dirty Farnets went through that uh, phase as well, you know? Because remember, these guys were just into drum and bass. They were yeah. killing it I in the drum and for, bass. I opened for Dirty Phonics one time a long time ago. Really? Yeah. And I, I played a drum and bass set and I was like, wow, I'm really fucking not cultured for this. <laughs> and then I started listening to more drum and bass. And that's the one thing is I like to study like music culture, what people like in different like regions. Yeah. That's really incredible to me. Yeah, because it's it's incredible that over here in the states it's a certain certain amount of genres that they like, but then when you go to UK, they really fuck with the with the garage stuff, with the DMB yeah. liquid style. Like they, it's like different vibes. Canada is more of a the Monster Cat vibes with yeah, Incision. Monster Cat, even Subsidia. Yeah, yeah. like and that's where they were all coming from. They were all coming from there at that time. It was like. It was like you had the UK, then you had Canada, and then you had Skrillex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like that, that was it. Like you had UK people that were sick, and then you had like Eptic too. Eptic was like what, 16, blowing up? Yeah. Blowing Never Say Die up like along with them. Like they Never Say Die was like really fucking cool when I first started listening to this stuff. Like yeah. they still are, don't get me wrong, but like I've moved a lot of like away interest wise. Everybody mm -hmm. does as they grow older. But like that Never Say Die stuff, when I first heard that, that was like the turning point for me where I was like, you know what? I think I could get a little bit heavier. I think yeah. I could watch a couple more YouTube videos. I mean, I'm always a Zomboy fan. So obviously I go I go listen to everything that Zomboy ever puts out. And Zomboy was big for me too, man. 
Yeah, bro. Josh Melody. I met him like a few times in my life. And those were like the few times in which I say, fuck, why the hell did I not took a picture? The first project I ever put out was a Zomboy remix for Rotten Roll. Oh, really? Yeah, with Bach Nero. With Bach Nero. And I was just with Bach two days ago in Philly. <clears throat> no shit. Video and we chill. Yeah. Now Box a friend of mine. It's just like damn. That's what's <clears throat> like up. Box, Box really Box really cool because Box like sober guy in the hood that's like doing it fucking like and then he'll he'll like he doesn't like over talk but like when he talks it's like really interesting to hear what he has to say on like certain topics and stuff. He's a really cool dude. Like he got he got stories to talk. He got he got. Stop that! It's we- almost like he has stories to talk about, but like he won't talk about them unless you like ask him, mm. kind of thing. Like he's he's a cool dude. He's a good performer too. That's the one thing I noticed. That very good performer. But that was the first remix I ever put out online, and that one uh, people seem to enjoy that. I mean, you look back at your old stuff and you're like, eh. People seem to enjoy it a lot, and I like the Zomboy. Zomboy like made me do that because Zomboy is amazing. Zomboy is just. Zomboy has his own league. That's what it is. He does. He doesn't pierce my ear or like he's not as much ear candy to me as he once was. But like, but it's you still can like tell. a Zomboy vibe. Yeah. You can tell that back then he was much more harder than it is right now. No, what he was doing didn't exist. Like yeah. he was the first one to put it out. Yeah. I was, just, I was like, who the fuck thinks to use some of these drums in this dubstep song? And now then all of a sudden it turns into like a culture of people doing it too. Like, Peekaboo's a really big one with changing culture too. That's true. Like he's the one who started with Brostep, like what everybody's into now in now, Brostep. Like he is the one and only who started it all. People can argue that Squillis is probably the one. And I remember there was like a beef back and forth. It was like, no, Squillis is the one. Zumbo is the one. And then that's where Squillets and Zomboy did a remix together. And we're like, guys, no beef. Just yeah. What what which was crazy about that was I believe it was Skrillex with the scary monsters, nice sprites first. Yes. And then Zomboy was like unique. I remember doing research on Zomboy. Zomboy was apparently um, like just making records at home and no one was listening to him. And someone just asked him, hey, or he had like a manager or something that was like, hey, uh, I got you booked. And he like didn't know how to mix. So he had to like go buy a tractor that week and like do that. And I love that much more than like um, just DJing and then learning production on top. Because I feel like that if you know production first yeah. and then you learn how to DJ, it's like it's cake. It feels like everything comes together a lot yeah, more quick. I agree. Especially for impatient people. No, I agree. I came the other way around. I was DJing first and then. Which I ain't learned- bad. It ain't bad. The learning aspect is much more harder. You just because, feel like you're almost behind. Yeah, in a way. Like when that happens. And that's that's where like like when I do like lessons and my mixing and mastering and stuff mm-hmm. like that, I almost teach people to like expedite that prod. Like to make them not think that there's so much sitting in front of them that it's only like one little square box and you just gotta fill that little square box mm-hmm. with your mind. And that's it. But doing backdoor cut things like secrets. And that's what you're almost paying for at that point. What I've found is that I've learned everything to how it needs to be done and made a shortcut for it because I'm lazy. Yeah. So it's almost like the kids that start DJing first and they come to me for like production lessons, they can see Mm. like that they're improving because I'm showing them like little like cheat sheets as opposed to just like, well, the kick's sitting at this amount of hertz. Like, 
there's people for that. And that's good. And I'll recommend you to those people all day. But if you want it like dumbed down a little bit, that's where people come to me. I hear you. I mean, I actually went into various people for mentoring, you know, like people teach me how to how to, um, you know, just how to make dubstep because the mids and mastering part, like I got it because I went to school with, yeah. with Nitty Gritty. Shout out to my brother. And Ricky's I school people. Yeah. He's one of my closest friends, Ricky. He's honestly the most diverse people I've ever met in my life. Oh, yeah? Bro, his music. I remember looking at his music and he was making like Bass House or something. And I thought he was like, all right. And then all of a sudden he just said like the lights thing. Oh, came out. the lights. Da, da, ba, 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 well, yeah, that like came about or whatever. But like I started listening to his other stuff with that. And then he put out like a fucking rock EP. Yeah. And I was just like. Dude, that's so fucking cool that he's like diverse like that. And you know, you hear your stories about him and stuff, but he's just really influential. I like him a lot. He's changing the game. That's what he's doing. Florida boy. Florida boy. Well, originally from Penn, but yeah. he's Florida. Yeah. Like he made yeah. Florida has his home, you know? And the fi- the thing about my Ricky is that before he became the f- where he is right now, he was always into melodic dubstep. And I mean, if you backtrack the conversations that he and me have in our previous episodes, like it shows you the full lengthy of how he became from a melodic dubstep guy to all the way to where he is right now. And before he was into melodic dubstep, he was part of a rock band with the indie yeah. rock, the Jardich. You know, he was the drummer. The reason why I feel like Ricky is doing this, what he's doing right now, it, it, it circles back to our school because there was, we, we work with Grammy Award winning engineers like the best of the best Hell yeah. like people who work with daddy yankee with nelly Furtado, with p diddy with only guerra with bad Bunny, with diplo with you know with fuck it you That's can name I'm it. Trying to work with. ricky martin <laughs> for fuck's sakes like future one of my professors was engineer his is the engineer for future and he was telling us when he showed us the future drake project like and you're listening to that and you're like, wow, this is exclusive. Exclusive. And this is before Future even like blow the fuck up. Like he was showing some of the shit. And I was telling him, oh, so that's the Drake and Future album. And he's like, no, you mean Future Drake album. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that was funny. I I love I love him. It was Devon. Devon fully the mitzer. That was his name. Um, but one of our professors, I'm not gonna name him because I Countless times in my podcast, I call him out very time because he really is an asshole. I remember one time this guy basically told us, stick to your lane, like stick to uh, one genre. Yuck. Like, don't do if you're good at this genre, don't do anything else because then you lose your audience. And he gave us this whole blah, 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 because I remember I gave him I was doing house at that time and I gave him a Moombaton track for feedback like what you think you know i'm trying to do other stuff and he was saying all that and i remember ricky was around and he was like listening to that and he was like dude don't listen to him do whatever makes you fucking happy like he's wrong man like he 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 he, he can't be saying stuff like that man because if you're not happy with that with what you're doing why do you why do you have to force yourself to quit doing it even if you're good at it 
What what if you want to evolve? How do you evolve as an artist? You know? Yeah, I mean, like I said before, you like doing puzzles, but you don't like to like make it the hardest puzzle in the fucking world right. to where it almost right. to where it almost frustrates you that you can't finish the puzzle. Yeah. When in reality you could have had four other puzzles done because you liked you liked them better and they it wasn't as hard, you know? Right, exactly. So it's like if you just chase the one sound for for a minute, like I, I honestly just revert from that. Like I'll go and start something completely different to end there, mm-hmm. to end like where I want to go. So I'm almost like tricking my brain. But like that's that's some closed-minded energy telling you that you shouldn't do that. Like you yeah, shouldn't no. branch out to things. He's thinking from a business standpoint, which is stupid. Yeah, he that I I try to understand where he's coming from because again. We're talking about a Grammy award-winning engineer. He has more years of the experience in the music industry and the music business than I have. You know, I was I was yeah. a student, so obviously, in a way, you have to kind of like, okay, he's right. But then, as time goes by, you kind of like, I think he was wrong, and that was kind of like closed-minded of on his part for doing or saying something like that, because saying stuff like that can actually like maybe put it in a table. What if house was never my thing? What if house was never my thing? And I just yeah. stuck making house. And then I always wonder, fuck, bro, why is my house is not moving now? If I would have yeah. never discovered dubstep or in overall, or if it wasn't for Ricky's help, me getting into dubstep even more, I would have stuck with house, you know, and I would have given up a long time ago. It was thanks to him I got into dubstep and more more influence in the bass committee. And that's where like my shit actually started to move around. That's where I show people. I show people my pro, my house projects. So they were like, "All right, cool, yeah, yeah." I show people my dubstep project. They go like, "Oh no, stick with dubstep. Stick with dubstep. That's that's your calling." And I, yeah, but I mean, even still, you could probably make a bomb ass house song the next day, bro. Music is so timeless. And it is. It is. Like, honestly, Blunts Blunts is the one person that said that to me like years ago like I was like struggling to make a good song and he was just like or I just made a really good song and I was just like yo you like this right it's good right like kind of like that and he was just like bro music is timeless you know you're gonna make a better song tomorrow and I was just like damn and I made a better song the next day and I was like I'm just gonna start taking it like that from now on Mm -hmm. like if I make a good song just throw in the folder send it to six of my friends feedback real quick and not worry about the rest music is just so timeless that like if i want to make a house tune the next day yeah i don't even have to say that hey i want to go make house it just come about just from the sound that i'm working with it should make you feel like yeah i just want to i feel like i want to do this i want to fuck with this you know you shouldn't feel like otherwise like oh i gotta do this that's what i'm doing today like no like like sometimes if you're into it then and it works for you then fine but nine times out of 10 is you normally will go with how you feel. If you feel like I know I don't feel like making a dub set today, but I want to make a house just for the fun of it because it makes me feel fun and it challenges you in a way and makes you feel even better. Yeah. Then go for it, man. Who's anybody to Dude, tell you, know you otherwise? It makes it a lot easier too. You know, it makes it a lot easier too. So if you open up splice and you just go to a, um, just think of one instrument or any kind mm. of sound, really. You type that in the search bar, and you just pick a number that you go to page-wise, and you pick something on that page. Now, according to what I do is, because I've been just doing this repetitively for so long, is that when I pick a sample, 
I go with how the tone of the sample is looking already. Mm. So if there's an 808 in there that I really like, and I thought about making house music that day, I'll almost analyze the tone and be like, you know what? I think that 808 would be good with a rap beat. So let me grab a kick, a hi-hat, a snare. It's almost like you're grabbing your ingredients to go fucking cook. Yeah. So you go off of the tone of something. So I go off of like, if I liked a really nice bell or something that would sound good in like a trap beat, I'd be like, okay, guess we're making trap. That simple. That way... Your mind's not confused about trying to stick to one lane. Yeah. You could make something cool, but like I said, you're keeping in the back of your mind that music is timeless and that you can make something better tomorrow. So what does it matter that I made a hip hop beat today when intending on making house when I could pick a sound tomorrow that sounds like a house song if I'm really bothered to make that house music. Right. And then I'll just make a better house song the next day. Yeah, basically. And and that's why I love what he's doing, man. He's changing the narrative. Like... It's he's changing the part that you know it's no longer a sin that you have to do one genre. Like no, it's okay that you can do multiple genres. Like you don't have to be labeled as the dubstep guy. You don't have to be labeled as the house guy. Like no, you can be labeled as the music guy, the guy who does Dude, the other day. Music. I stepped like in a, why not? The other day I stepped in a booth in Philadelphia and did and sung on a pop punk record. I was channeling Midi oh. at that point. Bro. And I've never stepped in a booth in my life and the track actually sounds really good. And it's like really fucking weird because I've never experienced something like that. And I'm like, wow, this is a completely different lane that I like closed off, but like could kind of morph with what I'm doing now or something. Yeah. But Nitty gave me that like, like, bro, I probably drank like three White Claws. I was all loosened up. I was like, <laughs> you know what? Time to be fucking Nitty when he did this a couple years ago. All right, cool. Let me hop in the booth here. And then I sung and I was like, damn, this actually sounds really fucking good. And I'm gonna still make dubstep tomorrow. Yeah, you know. Yeah, just just go about with what you want, man. Don't go about with what people telling you what you should. Like, no, do whatever makes you happy. Go for it. Just fucking go for it. Don't let anybody hey, tell I, you. I love Ricky. I love Ricky, and he's been so influential, low key, that he doesn't even know to like my sound now. But I got a bone to pick with him because he got my Twitter DMs and asked to work on something. It didn't answer me back. Hey. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. This I'm guy. This guy. No, 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 no. Let me I tell you something. If you check, if you check my uh, my text messages with this guy, you will think that he and I have a toxic relationship. <laughs> because it all starts with me cussing him oh, out. Yeah. It all starts with me him with me cussing him out, saying, "Dude, what the fuck, bro?" Like. I haven't heard you in a while. Like, shit. He's got a lot of shit going on. Bro. Like, too much stuff. I'm surprised he was able to send that DM. Dude, the level of... I told him. I told him that, yo, you're getting to that Skrillex level now. Oh, yeah. Like... He's he's there. He's there. You're already Grammy nominated. That's the bar for me. That's, like... I mean... Once... Even if you're nominated for a Grammy, you're already there. Dude, you could talk to a three-year-old kid and they know what a Grammy is. Like, shit. I told him that <laughs> like, he was going to be the next fucking Skrillex. He's going to change the game. He's going to be doing this. Now this motherfucker is like literally every day he has something. Like, yeah. I kid you not. It, 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 it wasn't for her, his manager, Cheryl. Shout out to you, Cheryl. I love you. Like, it was going to be hard for me to get an interview with him. And his, and our other boy, Shindo. Shout out to Shindo, yeah. too. Like, I told yeah, you. Shindo, he, Shindo pulled the move, bro. Yeah, no, Shindo like Shindo hit, made the move of the century, bro. Oh man, he 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 hit the jackpot on that one. With I don't peaches. even fucking know him. I don't even know him. And I told him on Twitter, I was just like, 
what a boss move. Bruh. Bruh. And I didn't even know of him before that. And I was just like, oh, that's all their boy. I was like, damn, bro. He just made a move. No, but he made. But like, he did it smart. He did it smart. He fucking did that. He he saw him playing piano, practicing something. He made the beat behind it. And that's exactly what you need to do. You need to think ahead. So you're never behind. Exactly. Exactly. See, it's it's stuff like that that these guys actually take the initiative, you know, without even thinking. And he said it in the interview. He said it like, yo, I just I just watched the the story and I just did it on my laptop. Like it, it I I wasn't even thinking about showing it to to Bieber or to anybody. Like, I yeah. just did it for fun because I, I was just feeling it. I was in the mood, you know, and I just I, I just happened to be with Pooh Bear and Pooh Bear just like, oh, my God. And he shipped it off to Bieber and Bieber said, like, fuck, yeah, I want this just Whoa. just to fuck around. Wait, you were the bridge for that? What? Oh, I thought you did. You introduce him to Pooh Bear? No, no, no. That wasn't me. No, oh, no. oh, I was like, damn. No, no, no. Did, he, I was like, I should be <laughs> interviewing you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? What the hell is going on? I'm Why, not where? I'm not that connected. Like, Jesus. <laughs> like, if I was connected to fucking Pooh Bear, I wouldn't be doing this. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude, I love Pooh Bear's voice. Pooh Bear's voice is like fucking ASMR for me. I love Pooh Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Pooh Bear, when he did that when he did that record with Skrillex, bro, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. This is so so bro, you can play this at weddings. Yeah. Like Yeah. It's a good wedding song. And I was like, damn. That's why I like, like, there's this dude here. His name is Kyle Kench. He's like a house producer here. Every time I see him play, I'm like, damn, bro. You make the hottest wedding music I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> like the vibes. The vibes itself. I, like, it's I, fucking bro. Lit. And I love more the needy version because it just feels more yeah. like, like, like more big. He just uplifts everything. Yeah. He makes everything go from 100% to 110%. Yes. It's ridiculous how he does it. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how he does it, bro. Honestly, because like even one day I picked his brain and I'm still like, okay, what? <laughs> like what? I can't believe you just you just make a fucking sound out of a fart, basically. And bang, it's a fucking. I record. was in like, one like, of his fucking music videos. Which one? The one with, uh, uh, with Blunts. I don't know if I actually made it oh. in the video, but we were hanging out all day. We got him high that day. Finally. But Blunts did. But we all, <laughs> we all, bro, we're such a tight little group here that it's like, that it's like it's, all it, of us are that's so one. Sick. That's sick, bro. Yeah. It's me and then Baldy just moved here. I don't know if you're familiar with Baldy. No, I'm not familiar with Baldy. Blunts, Baldi. yeah, because I know Alex Shumback. Yeah, Alex uh Baldy's one of Alex Shumback's other products. Oh. Yeah, Baldy's uh bald. Oh, very well, funny. From Louisiana. An absolute legend to hang out with. And he just moved here. So like everybody's kind of like a lot of our friends are kind of moving to like Tampa and stuff. So like all of us mm. kind of like set, setting up shop and home base here. Is Tampa going to be the Nets base capital? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Um, I don't think it's even a music capital. It's just like, it's a good place to like live because it's not too like expensive. Like Miami. Like we have the Ritz here. We have a dope little venue called TK Lounge that puts yeah. a whole bunch of cool like artists here. Um, that's like down the street from my house. But like, other than that, it's just like, I mean, I've lived here for a while. I worked in the service industry. I'm a DJ around here. It's just, it's very nice being able to walk into a lot of places, especially when you're bringing people from out of town. Mm. And like the bartender like knows you by your fucking first name. And like, 
gives you like hooks you up or like, you know, you could just show people that are not from Tampa yeah. a really good time just based off of the connections you met outside of music. So like I'll go into a restaurant that I've been going to for like 10 years and be like, hey, this place is the gas. They love the food. But not only that, the the waitress I went to high school with her or, or my buddy owns the restaurant or some shit. Right. So it's like it's cool to show people like smaller businesses around here and stuff and, you know, what Tampa's built off of because you really got to search for the cool stuff here. It's not Miami where everything's in your face. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, you you hit the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Here it's like the Ritz for electronic music. There's no real cool hip hop places here. Yeah. I wish there were. I wish there was a huge venue here, but usually like the bigger rappers will do like Amelie Arena or something. Yeah. They, they, I think where do you go for venues there? Like, where do you go for shows there? In Miami? <laughs> if I tell you, um, there's like, yeah, there's so many fa places that you could go. Normally, the hottest shit for EDM music is Treehouse. That's in South Beach. Yeah, Treehouse is dope. I played Treehouse with Blunts. Yeah. That was fun. Like That was a cool place. I love Pepe. Pepe is good people. Oh, shout out to Pepe and Lucho, man. Lucho is my boy, man. Yeah, shout out Pepe. Lucho, if it wasn't for Lucho, like I wouldn't be so networked and connected to the music industry. Heck yeah, man. That's what it's all about. Making yeah. connections. It's making the right connections. That's the thing. That's the thing, man. Yeah, uh, Treehouse is one. Club Space, I don't know if Club Space is still popping. I think it's more yeah, space, under... I mean, Space Pops. I see people's Snapchat stories. Yeah, Fucking yeah. walking out of there at 9.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> like, you guys are wild. I can't do that shit anymore. Oh, no, bro. Then you haven't been to... Uh, or probably you have 11, bro. Like, 11 is 24-7. I've never been to 11. Oh, no. Bro, I've never been to 11. Literally, the club is 24-7. It never shut about down. it. I just hear about it in Drake songs. I'm telling you, bro. Like Eleven is a club, a strip club, yeah, and then a restaurant. It's fucking dope. It's like all all in one, twenty four seven. And oh, I you kid mean. you not, I uh, kid you not. When you go inside, it's like it's so dark, and then you got all the lights, and they get all the shit and whatnot. You don't even know what time is outside, bro, because you're so into that that by the time you get out, it's like daylight. And you're like, what the. Fuck is this shit? That's how it goes with my studio sessions out in um Philly though. Like it's so like blocked off and like so dark and all the windows are so covered that sometimes I'm in there like two three days ordering Uber Eats, but I finish like six songs. So I'm like, right. it's like crunch time in there, and all the vibes match. It's really good. Shout out Obsidian. City, and that's actually like the sweatshirt. I'm right oh, that's dope. That's yeah. Dope. They're uh they're cool people. They have a band in there called Intercon. So they kind of like those are the people I recorded that pop punk song with the other day, and it's just like they're all like really good friends of mine. We've all been like engineering and stuff for years together. So that's pretty dope, man. Cool to catch the vibes. Yeah, yeah. Like over here in Miami, you'll f yeah. Those, I think those are like the biggest biggest places then you got others like live and story you know but i don't know any more of the hip-hop stuff probably american arena if you get a big artist like a big rapper they'll play in the arena like in the miami heat arena or in the hard rock city and the dolphin yeah. stadium you know like i know rolling loud was just there over the weekend yeah rolling loud was this past weekend you have you heard all the shit that happened yeah there's a lot of stuff well, the, my favorite ones was the LED falling down the main yeah. stage. That was on like Tuesday. They had to like scramble a, to get that to happen. That's that. That was that because, sucks. That's a stage producer's worst nightmare. <laughs> no, no, no. Not not only that. That that has to be like okay. Who the fuck was up there setting this shit up? Right, because 
Right. Somebody's going to get blamed. Somebody's going to get fired. Someone's getting fired. Yeah. The first thing I said is like, babe, someone's going to get fired after this. Why? Because I remember when we were setting up LEDs, bro, you had to make sure that shit is locked. Like, they're not going to even lift that shit up unless it's locked, locked. Yeah. Whoever did that probably didn't even check or did a horrible job or was half-assed. I don't know. But the fact that it did happen, like it shouldn't even be thinking about it happening, but it did is like somebody did a horrible job and everybody's going to get blamed. The other thing was the the baby bring Tony... Tory Lanez out. Right Tory Lanez out. Stallion. And, and somebody threw an Adidas shoot on him. Yeah. They, br- they brought him out at bad timing, to be honest, because he yeah. had all that beef with Megan Thee Stallion. She had just played... Yeah. And like they brought him out at the wrong time. But the baby, I like that he was like, he was like, uh, I just watched this video before I got on this podcast. He was fucking um so he's on stage performing and they were like, Oh, they said it's a ten thousand dollar fine if I go over my time here, if I go over midnight or some shit. He goes, That's ten thousand dollars that I'm gonna pay. So I'm paying to see y'all. And I was like, that's some G shit, bro. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's. I was like, that's not, I was like, that's fucking great. You're that, just completely kicking in the doors of city ordinances for ten grand, just so you could just give people the whole show. Yeah, that's bro. Fire. That that yeah, I gotta give it to him. That that was some boss move. That was a baller move. That guy's funny as hell. And then he goes, "All right, everybody, say thank you, baby." Like he fucking like <laughs> he's just hilarious. That guy, Jack Harlow's really funny too. Yeah, like. That that was this whole weekend. I I heard that Kanye West didn't show up when he was supposed to because he got stuck in Mercedes Benz or he's living in Mercedes Benz Arena now. Jeez. Travis Scott showed up like an hour late at least. I think. Wow, that's really bad. Jesus, like, have we reached that point in which like, like why can't they just get it together and just be there all weekend? Yeah, like why like, can't all y'all fly in on Thursday? <laughs> like seriously, the Migos did it. Why can't you guys do? And they got three people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They can't. They were able to fucking get on their PJ, bro. <laughs> like shit, bro. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe don't know. it's They're because really with that. I don't know. Maybe it's because of you know I got money, shit. I could do whatever the fuck I want. Attitude, like kind of, yeah. That's definitely what it is. I mean, rappers are bougie at the end of the day. <laughs> Very bougie, bro. Especially when they get fat advances. Like if a rapper. Gets like an advance that's like God. based off of one song. Like they completely change it to different people. It's so weird. <laughs> and if only they knew about those fast advances, like, you know, you had to pay them. If back. only they knew they got a shit deal. Like they, they don't even think to like, they don't even think to like hire a lawyer for it. <laughs> like they just do dollar signs and they're like, yeah, whatever. Like, seriously, I, I did an episode dedicated about that. Let's go read your contracts because that's the biggest mistake that that it still shocks me to this day that more of these rappers keep falling for these tricks. Like, oh, dude, I've had, I've had contracts that scheme me. Like, and now I'm like, no, nah, I'm not paying it. I'm not signing this at all. Like, if you see a pattern, like once is a coincidence. Twice is like, okay, something's happening. Three times is like, all right, it's a pattern. Yeah, like How? do these like when they go and spend when 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 like rappers go out and they spend money on like if they buy like a lot of chains or something, 
a lot of people will disagree with me on this. Like a lot of people will be like, oh, he just bought all those chains, yada, yada, yada with his advance. When honestly, chains with an advance, if I'm not mistaken, could get written off as a business expense for marketing. Yeah. In a way, yes, because the chains itself is... Uh, but not only that, yeah. It's yeah, a, it's an image. It's, a Im it's part of your image. It's like, this is how you win. And that's why you see some of them with your logos or their names out there saying like, yo... Well, they're I also assets, bro. So like yeah. when they're buying chains and shit, people will be like, oh, they're buying all these chains with their fucking advanced shit. Like, dog, they could sell that chain tomorrow. Yeah. And, and if gold is up somehow tomorrow, they're getting more money. They're getting more money the fact that they're selling the chains. Like the fact that exactly. this chain came from Future, like Future probably got this chain for 200 G's. Future can sell it and bid it from 200 G's and somebody will buy it for a million. Exactly. He could he could put that up for auction. Not only that, it, let's say that you're doing well on money with your advance, like say a, a song popped or something, you're getting mm -hmm. paid for shows, yada, yada, that advance is nothing. Dude, even so, like, to make your brand look a little bit more wholesome, you could take that advance and then you could like, you could go buy a chain that you would an auction for and then donate those proceeds to like something that you believe in. Because yeah. at that point, you're satisfying yourself. But not only that, you're a good image in, in and the face. Exactly. And so it's hard to do that in rap, bro. A lot of people want to have this like hard image, especially like, bro, some of the kids we, oh, we record up in Philly are like, yeah, they're about that. They're just about it. And like and they they and it's just like tough to see like people actually have some talent. Mm. And you're like, damn, this person is never gonna like leave this block. And you're like, That's damn, that sucks. really sucks. It's so wasted. Because if that person, if that person got an advance, he wouldn't even move himself out of the hood. He would just like flourish his family, yeah. which is his hood. And that's the thing that's like it's like an in between thing. It's either mm. yourself or your for your your squad, and a lot of them are for them squads, and they get disappointed when they can't move into a big thing because they made that mistake of using that advance on like not themselves. See that this is like the biggest mistakes, like the, the advance. People believe that the advance is like, oh yeah, I'm giving you this money, like. No, no, you bro. better help, hope your record sells. Yeah. You better hope Ooh. that your fucking record sells and becomes like number one next week or some shit because people don't realize that when a label gives uh, an advance to an artist, they're not just giving you free money because, you know, like they know you're going to be a hit. No, that's a loan. They're essentially giving you a, a loan in a way. They're just calling it advance. That loan's basically is supposed to pay off your studio costs, studio costs. Your engineer, your producer, your um, publicist or marketing imaging or whatever. Even if you want to use it for merch, you can use it for merch. Use it you for know? merch. Um, music videos. When the when you know that you got a, a song that's gonna slap, you need you need money to to pay the music videos, the director and the whole crew. For and not only that, the marketing behind it, the marketing needs to get paid too. Yeah, the marketing behind needs to be like pushed to the mass to make it needs sure to be that pushed you, on blogs. You need to be on double XL. Yeah, double XL. You need to be on on satellite radio stations. Like you get on every fucking radio station. Like th that all costs money. And when you're starting to do your tours, like somebody's gotta pay the expenses for. For the transportation, for the airplane tickets, and for the exactly. hotel staying. Like, 
promoters sometimes that advance if you get an advance for tour make sure that shit is all taken yeah care of yeah because let me tell you sometimes promoters do take care of one or the other and in, in addition to what they're getting paid for sometimes it's a one in ten they'll do it for you you know it's not a guarantee thing. That's why that fast advance money is that's what you're supposed to spend. You know, only a few yeah. rappers that I know that they use their money wisely and knew like, all right, shit, like I need to do all this stuff. That way I don't have to worry about it. Like T-Pain is a, a perfect example because I remember when he did that, that Akon story because he had like a, a huge label was going to back them up like like five oh, million Sony dollars. Sony fucked him over, bro. Yeah. Sony wrecked him. Like T-Pain said itself, like this guy, they were going to pay me this much and not give me a guarantee that's going to be the hottest rapper ever. Acom told him, like, I'll give you 20 G's and you'll I guarantee you you're going to be the hottest rapper ever. And he took the Acom route. Acom gave him 20 G's, released music on Convict Music, and then by, by the month, he already paid off his advance. Yeah. A month. One month, it only took him to pay off his, his 20 G advance. And then every other time, like, oh, I'm. This is just money coming to me, money coming to me, money coming to but me. But here's the thing: what if your record doesn't sell? If you don't get into that time constraint of paying back that loan, what they could do is they could be like, okay, well, next song you make based on the terms of your contract um, belongs fully to us. And that's why. And you're constantly in debt. It's not yeah. like yeah, you're constantly. That's why you're constantly in debt with the labels. And I mean, think about it this way: Why you think sometimes when you see these old rock bands like Guns and Roses and the Journeys and Poison and shit are doing these reunion tours right now? Like that's because like, it's not because like they're broke, broke. Like no, they got money. They're already, no. they're, they made their lives. Problem this they're is trying they, to pay off some of their goddamn costs that they got from advances back in the eighties. Exactly, exactly. You know, but like, the dollar, the dollar amount back then wasn't what it is today. Of course, it was much more cheaper back then than what which, it is right now. But what if you, but but if you imagine if it goes by currency rate, I don't know. I'm not that big into currency. the politics behind it. But uh -huh. if if that value raises over the years, then you know they could they could if it goes by percentage then percentage of money and the way things cost nowadays as opposed to decades ago is very oh, different. It, oh, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, you may say that 20% back then it was like, all right, that's nothing. I can pay it up. But 20% now is like, yeah. oh, shit, that's a lot that I have to pay, you know? 20% now is like, oh, my God, that's 10,000 more than it would have been in the 80s. Exactly. So that's why they're, you know, paying that much now because, the, hey, you still owe us that 20%. Where is that 20%? And it's like, fuck, bro. Like, so I should have paid. I should have. I should have paid those 20% back then. Damn it. Right now, back then. Guys, we need to do a reunion tour. We need to do something to pay this shit up or we're never going to go. It's going to go to our children and shit and blah, blah, like, no, let's let's take care of this. And yeah, uh, you don't we don't want this taken out. Of, and it'd be fun to do. They probably think it's fun to do a reunion tour and stuff, but yeah, to get more money under their pockets. Sure. Why not? But the majority reason is because, you know, clear off that debt, you know, that that's yeah. never going to go away. And labels always going to find a way to like, you know, Pay us, you know, pay us. They're always going to find a way. Absolutely. Labels are, labels are poison. But here's the thing. They can be poison. But if you're at the point where you're making comfortable living through that process and they're not stressing you out too much, mm. like music is a good industry to get into. Because in my opinion, you could take that label route or you could do some side work doing fucking 
mood music, just carrying around a recorder all the time and right. just putting it on Spotify and just <clears throat> keep it to yourself. Having the nice hot chill playlist that no one listens to in our culture, but like someone who's trying to fall asleep might. Yeah. You know? And it's just like, it's one of those things that there's so much money that can be made in music. It's just like people kind of like corner themselves to the one thing that they think they can right. make the most out of as right. opposed to gaining over time. Like there's many routes to this industry. Like that's another thing I, I try, I intend to demonstrate people in my podcast. Like I took a certain route. Ricky took another route. Shindo did uh, this route. Other artists that I've interviewed have taken this route. Like there isn't a, a blueprint. Like this is the, the route that you had to take. Like, no, there's multiple routes. You just need to be consistent about it. And yeah, not give up. Just like keep pushing forward because eventually your time will come. But you just have to keep going. The same all way, day. I can preach that to you all day. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Because the same the same form. Because if Ricky gave me his formula to me of how he made it, it may not work on me. It may not. Exactly. It, it may work differently on me, you know, and it may take me on a, on a different route that I didn't want to go to, you know. Yeah. Like everybody needs to take their own routes, you know. Everybody needs to have their own paths. There's, there's no. Even if you gotta switch up the route midway through the route. Yeah, and that's fine, you know. That's fine as long as you know what you're trying to do and you keep pushing forward. Like everything's gonna come into into pieces, you know. Everything's gonna fall into place, you know. It's just that sometimes some of these um artists and labels as well they give you that illusion you know they tell they don't the artists i feel i held certain artists to a higher degree of responsibility because as an artist you should know all the shit that you have to been through and you should tell the next person that's coming up like Yo, yeah show them your mistakes showing look i did this and this is how i'm fucked over try to avoid that as much as possible you know because if not this is gonna happen and labels, some the majority of these labels, not all of them, the majority of labels are fucking jackals that they, they want to keep the status quo as it is without telling you all the ugly shit out of it. And then just want to keep, you know, recruiting people over. Mm -hmm. What people don't realize is that labels need content all the time. All the time. Every month they and need to Ricky, read something. Ricky and Acre Media, perfect examples of that. They're Acre the Media boys were, well, that was a ride. That was a ride. They're the they're the perfect example of an independent artist. Like that's the route that everybody should be take. Go, granted, not everybody is can go do the independent route if you don't have the resources. Yeah, if or you the don't money. have the fucking team, I mean, you also yeah. have Corinne and Paul over there too, right? Yeah, like if like you need like you need to have like a Korean Paul type situation, like a team to actually push forward. That can actually go like, all right, we can go the route. Fuck all you labels, you know. Yeah, I think one person creating a path and a vision for a brand is just really fucking not enough because then it's just you and that other person brainstorming. Yeah. You don't have that third year. The third year is like the most important. Yeah, basically. And that's where I'm like catching up right now. My branding, like my branding, has been off for a long time, and it mm. didn't really matter to me because I just like I just like making tunes. Right. At the end of the day. Now it's starting to come together a little bit and I got like a little bit of concept of where I'm going to go with things. So that's dope. That's dope to hear, man. Yeah, finally. It was always just me making like, like I make a lot of songs that get played out by a lot of DJs. So like all of them are like banging songs. It's just like there's no cohesive way to put it out. 
for the longest time until about recently. So mm. I'm kind of getting excited to see where I can take the next few releases because I got about 25 release, uh, unreleased tracks Dope. sitting right now. Are you but planning- I got another like 15 in the fall mm. too. Always I- working. Are you planning to release those on a label or just all self-release? Nobody right now. Um, I'm mm. planning on doing a lot of self-release stuff. Okay. But I, I got this whole like concept going on in my brand right now where I, I want to do it a certain way, but I want people to like figure out why I'm doing it. Okay. Kind of like some like tipper shit, but like not as uh how do you say cultish? Cultish. Like, like like that cult following that like yeah. base nectar stickers on the fucking windshield and shit. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want it to be anything like that, but I want like the fans that like listen to my tunes can see like why I'm doing exactly what I'm doing. I have like a whole vision behind it. It's going to take five years mm. minimum to like really like show the whole thing, but right. it's like, it's cool. It's going to, it's going to come together. Just need the right elements, the right team. That's fine, bro. Like take your time. And when you do find your team, bro, like when you do have your, like everything set up, you know, that's when you should start like, bam, like let's, let's hit this as a home run, man. Yeah. I expect that's a thing. I can't even like say that I'll fall into like one specific team mm-hmm. because I don't know. I've just like I've made friends with a, more than acquaintance with a lot of people that offer to help me out a lot, which okay. is nice. So like I don't have to grab just from like one source. Like if right. someone wants to help me out over here, I'll just be like, hell yeah, let's go. That's dope, man. I mean, eventually it's going to come to you, man. You don't all day. Know. I just make tunes, man. I'm yeah. so I'm just, so patient with it. It's. That's dope, man. Just keep it going, man. Just stay stay what you're doing, man. It's going to come Patience together. is the biggest thing with this industry, man. Absolutely, guys. You need to have patience in this world. Like, you need to have a level of patience in this world. Like, one of the... You were saying puzzles, right? Yeah. You know, when you're building a puzzle, you need to have a level of patience. Yeah. Like... Because, because then you just go mad. Yeah, you don't go mad. The same, apply that certain level of patience when it comes to making a song and when when all the shit that's gonna pop afterwards is gonna come. You need to have yeah. that same level of patience because everything's gonna fall into peace. You just need to be like, don't worry. It's coming. It's coming. But don't rush it. Don't rush it out because it's gonna... It's like shooting yourself in the foot before, you even, be, before you even start the, the show. It's like you're, I mean, it's like um, if you expect things like ordering a pizza, like if you order a pizza, you're going to expect the dough to be nice. The crust is going to be there. The sauce, the cheese, the whole fucking nun, whatever you, you know, ordered. And then like, if you go into this stuff thinking that like you got this one pizza that you're ordering and then it finally gets ordered and it has no cheese on it or something like that. It's just like. It frustrates you almost because yeah. something came half-assed. Yeah. And like, you don't want to half-ass yourself with speaking on one vision, you know? You get half cheese and you get half pepperoni. You can mix in a whole bunch of different things. Right. I agree. That That's that's a nice way to put it, man. Um, uh, I just get, uh, bro, I do, I smoke weed and I do analogies all day. I love the analogies, man. I'm, <laughs> analogies I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Because <laughs> I always feel like I sometimes I don't understand what people are talking about when they're trying to explain something. So if they use an analogy, I always know that I get it right away. That's dope. That's Especially dope. Yeah. Decent analogy. Now, have you had thought of sending some of your music to any of these um, EDM labels? You know that. Oh, I have consider? been for years. Yeah. yeah. It just comes to the fact of reading them. 
who's backing you, who's, mm. who's, uh, I mean, I don't want to say it's all about who you know, because I've seen people like, you know, I've seen people just come from the gutter and just like, like Troy Boy. Troy Boy put out a track every week when I first found Troy Boy at like 500 followers. And he put out a track every week or every other week and documented that he was making it in his kitchen. So like, he wasn't worried about the emails or anything. He was just mm. like putting the music out and then everything started coming to him. Right. And that's where I'm at like right now. For the longest time, I always thought like, do I got to go to this like certain label, yada, yada, yada. You don't really got to do that, in my opinion. It's just like if you're making a ton of music and you're making a ton of quality and learning over time, like everything's just going to like come eventually. Exactly. But, but you always got to like, like if you like say, like if you're a fan of a certain label, mm. it's not illegal to reach out to somebody and say, hey man, do you have any plugs here? Yo man, do you have somebody here that will listen to this? Because I know it's good enough sign. Like, let's do it. Subsidia, on the other hand, Subsidia was one of those things where I sent demos to them in like March one year to Excision just in general. And he got back to me and he started playing the tunes, but it wasn't until like six or seven months later that they opened Subsidia and they literally contacted me because they saved the playlist mm. in their like folder. They were plotting it for months, I guess. So like all these artists, they had probably sent their music to Excision a year before that first compilation came out. Mm. That's very interesting. I mean, I give shout out to Subsidia for, you know, having one of those few labels that is in it for the community and is in it for up and coming producers that are trying to get into the industry and, you know, gives them that, a chance to to get their music out there, you know? Yeah, they make everything easy too, like with releasing and stuff. They make everything kind of seamless because yeah. they're releasing so many tracks on these compilations. But it's a uh, it's. It's cool. I mean, I definitely, I'm not, I'm definitely one of those people that hates staying on like one label. Mm. So like say a label wants something, but I don't feel like the body of work really represents that. Like I have no problem holding off on answering them, not even answering them, just like giving them like a, like a time thing. Like, Hey, give me like two weeks. I got to discuss it with my team or some shit like that. At that point, they see like, you know, your value, your stuff. Mm. So like, that's where like, Cannibalon, for instance, I got one with Heritage on Cannibalon. Yeah, that all came from like his doing, and I liked that a lot because I didn't have to like have that email set back like, oh, we don't like this or nothing or anything like that, you know? Because I that's how I used to go into emailing these people. I used to be like, they're just gonna say no right away, and then I just continue to be disappointed the entire time until I make something mm -hmm. good and they accept. And then there's sometimes where I've sent, dude, I released on Barong Family one time. There's a remix for Dirty Audio. I asked Dirty Audio for the stems via Twitter, not thinking he would ever send them to me. Yeah. Two seconds. Sent me over the zip file. Goes, hell yeah, bro, kill it. I was like, wow, he was fast with me. So maybe I should be fast with him. So seven hours later, I sent him the track and they literally released that version as the final on Barong Family. And that was my first like bigger Yo. label release. And at that point, uh, it's like you get what you give. If if sub, if I send something to Subsidia mm. versus something like smaller, and the something smaller is like, hey, um, we're really interested in this track. Like two hours later, but Subsidia took six months, mm -hmm. and I already have this like developed plan with a smaller label. I'm not gonna say no, no. I'm gonna take this and give it a Subsidia because they want it now. You know what I mean? Interesting. I'm going to give it to the people that like are quick with me so I can be quick with them. That way it all gets taken care of and there's no lag step. 
And that's why I don't release on a ton of labels right now. But I think of, I think mostly my goal is to get every like major EDM label. But like I, my dream is like Atlantic and all these other labels. Mm. But like it's not even like signing to the label. It's just like working with artists Work. that are on the label. Right, right. That way I don't have to be the fucking the punching bag. Right, right. My biggest dream for releasing a song is on Monster Cat. Yeah, Monster Cat's sick. Really melodic stuff. Yeah. I mean, their standards are high. I'll tell you I that. liked when Dion was releasing fucking a lot of Monster Cat. That was fun. I liked Dion when he was releasing his shit. I mean... Dion just found my music like probably a month ago. So oh, yeah? Yeah, I shoot this shit with him over on Discord. They play this one song that I have a Vulcan out. This song's getting played like fucking everywhere. That's fucking... But cool, it's bro. like... But it's got the pop, lock, and drop it vocals on it. Yeah. So like people gravitate towards that, like I was right. saying earlier. And Dion was like one of those people that was just like, bro, you took it and you like made it like a little melodic, but it's still like dirty. Yeah. And that's why that's why I like listening to like Dion stuff. Dion like Dion stuff is just so clean, bro, that it's like and he was doing it when he was like 13. Like him and Ray wow. Volpe are like two really young ones. Yeah. Man, and they're big now. Like Eptic. No, they were big. They were big years ago. And that's, you know, that's just like how it worked back then. It's like Sonny Moore when he was uh, in from first to last touring when he was 16. Like it was normal for yeah. people like tour when they were 16 back like in the early 2000s, you know? And now look at where they are right now, man. That's 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 insane story, man. I put it like this too. As a musician, like in a band, I think it's a, like a lot tougher to... Like that's why you see a lot of people becoming producers now, like in their mid twenties, because it's like one of those things that you can learn the craft and you don't need any like physical like demands to play it. Like if you're playing in a band or you're learning piano when you're young and then you learn piano in your mid twenties, that's like a way different Yeah. It's like a way different way to learn piano because your finger your fingers are already grown. Yeah. So you can't like create that like you can't create any like depth in your reach with your fingers because you learned it too late. And that's why I think a lot of people that were in bands and playing instruments and stuff, all those kids were like young in the mid 2000s going on tour and stuff because they were like popping out of the womb with guitars and their family yeah. was giving them like guitar lessons and stuff. So when yeah. producing started becoming more popular, people were just like, all right, YouTube exists. <laughs> Myself included. My... <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's how it, basically how it happened, because I, I started producing late. Like I was in my mid 20s when I started producing, producing, you know, so it was like it was kind of hard for me to grasp the concept of music theory and piano playing the piano or any other instrument, you know, like so I had to do it like the manual way, the the way everybody was learning for YouTube. So I was like, all right, this is how they do it. Like, all right, cool. Let me learn. How to do this is that, and then once I I got the concert, and once I learned all that stuff, I had to go through various different artists like Adair, Company, Motstep, and Adair is sick. Crimson Child. I had went Yo, to all of those guys. Crimson for, Child. Crimson Child was sick, bro. I haven't listened to him in a while, but um, he when he was like uh, he was like in the Arcturians for a little bit, right? Yeah, our Jashar. Yeah, shout out to him, man. I, I need yeah, to get him over people. here. Yeah, he was a, he's a he's very chill person, man. I love how very cool dude. Yeah, he actually I, gave it. He's actually the only Facebook producer because like I've been all these kids, bro. We've all been talking over Messenger for over a half a decade now. So like, it's cool to see like some of these kids evolve into like different sounds, right? And stuff. 
And he like moved into like he just always had quality. That kid. That's yeah. He always had it, bro. Like he was a nerd for it. Yeah, like, you gotta be a nerd for that. Shit Basically, to do it. I, I remember when in the in the in the tutoring sessions, bro. Like the way he was showing me how to do certain things and how to sound designing by resampling. He's definitely music. more of like a. He's like, definitely more of a technical guy. Yeah, it was so technical, yeah. and he was like, "Dude, don't sidechain like this. Like, do it like the most sub sidechaining using like Kickstarter or sub sidechaining using the what's the other one? The shape oh, bot, shaper bots. Yeah, no, go go this way. Like life a compressor. I'm like, what? Life a compressor yeah. from Ableton. He knows the deal, and he's like, yeah, do nah, do it like this. Nah, do it like this. Eight. It's Live 8 or Glue Compressor. Or Glue Compressor. Well, he showed me Either the Live or. 8. The Live 8's great. Don't get me wrong. But if you don't have Live 8 or something, right? like if you don't have the Live 8 compressor, just chilling. Just use the Glue Compressor. A regular compressor. Glue Compressor yeah. goes such a long way. But I was just like blown away how easy that shit is. He's like, see? And now you don't have to send all this shit to the send channel. Like you can just like put them up here into, yeah. the, into this channel. Yeah, so and he then, does it like me. So he does it like me. Yeah. So yeah. like that's, 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 I bond with producers that do it like that because like, like I said, I, I mix and master like a lot of projects. Yeah. And they'll send me their project file out and I'll like analyze it and I'll see what's going on with it. Like typically people like to just do things like the hard way right. by sending it because they think it's easy. Like that send and side chaining to that. Like what if I want my bass and my plucks to sidechain to my kicks different. Yeah. Can you do that from a send and edit no. it? You, you really can't. And not only that, it's like you'd have to add another compressor yeah. and you'd have to add another one and another one to like route to that specific one. So I basically just take a compressor like he does and just put it on. Okay, so like this is my bass group here. Um, let me analyze it real quick. Okay, let me compress that. Okay, it's going to go into the sidechain. Then I'll go to my percussion and I'll say, okay, this is going to require a different kind of side chain for me, yeah. at least, to fit it in the mix a lot better. So a lot of people thinking that they got to send things to different things all the time, it's a waste of time sometimes. Uh, it is to me now. Like it, it, I can't, sends, like, I don't even touch sends, bro. Yeah, I, nada, nada. After Jashar, man, I go by his methods. And by far, going by his methods... My music has improved significantly. Even my level of sound designing, because back then I was learning how to sound design like Adair style. Like I was learning how to sound design like Moses. Yeah, because Adair and Nitty Gritty used to do the fucking bass house. Yeah, yeah. I and that. and and remember, like these guys are showing me how they sound designing doing growls and samples as if they were the ones doing it. And I learned yeah. how to do it like they do it. The only problem is is like Okay, do I want to make it genuine yourself? Yeah, I don't want to sound like them. I want to take their concept and take it to another next level. The problem is that Serum has become such an oversaturated plugin that everybody can use it. And Adair says, like, Lane has told me, like, you know, Serum is, is definitely a limitless. Like, there is no limit. Yeah. I beg to differ. I feel like Serum has already reached a point in which like you can only so do so much with it because it's gotten to a point that everybody has serum and everybody can start sounding the same. So my issue was like, I want to be completely different from what everybody was doing with serum. So Jashar Grinsom basically showed me their resample methods. Master, resample. Bro. Yeah. After I learned how to resample from his methods and using portal, using the corpus, using the LFO shapers and all that shit from stop plugins. 
And Portal was probably the only fur fur party. Portal's cool. I love Portal, man. And after Portal's learning, nice. after learning all that shit, it's like, bro, I'm learning. I'm doing sound designing, just resampling shit. That's it. Yeah. And when I hear my music that it's now versus my music that it was back then when I was using all those sounds, how they taught me, bro, it's like you can tell night and day how different it is, bro. And it's insane. Oh, yeah. And now like sound design is just resampling for me. Like it's becoming like that's how I'm only building my trust by resampling. And that's what's crazy. That's what like going back to what I was saying before about everybody being on like Messenger together yeah. over those last few years. Like one of the bigger ones that I saw that was like a change in quality like really fast was like gone. Oh. Like Chris, Chris wasn't even like awesome. Mm. And then all of a sudden I started getting demos from him that were lighting my computer up. Like they were just like fucking, I was just jamming to them. And then like I'd send him stuff, some stuff. And I realized that like he was like evolving. And then now Gom's fun at work. Gom's like touring and shit. I fucking love that for him. Same thing with like Ruvlo. Ruvlo's another good friend of mine. Damn, um, bro. You, you know a lot of people. Oh, bro. Shit. I've, <laughs> you know? I've been here for a minute. It's fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. Some uh, like, um, but lately, like lately, some of my like influences. Mm hmm. I've kind of just like, I've always wanted to learn how Peekaboo did his stuff because it always like satisfied my ear very, like very well. Right. And then one guy, one day I got in, invited into like a Discord group with Peekaboo there. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. I was like, there's no way I just got invited here. And they were just like, bro, we love this tune. Yada, yada, yada. And I was like, that's so rad. I'm going to annoy the fuck out of you guys and be in here every day watching you guys make some tunes because I, you guys are the ones that I listen to like when I'm driving. I don't listen to a lot of electronic music while I'm driving. Mm. People like Peekaboo and Sully and all them, like I just listen to a lot of them in my car now, if not rap music. That's dope. That's so... Peekaboo is like one of those people that's just like unbelievable. And he's one of those people that like doesn't make it seem like difficult. Yeah. Like there's a lot of people that make it seem difficult as fuck. And I'm like, your is just like, nah, just do this. Nah, just do this here. Like cracks joke. Oh, we're playing video games now. Okay. Cool. You just wrote two records. I'm like, what the fuck? It's so funny how he does this shit. And it's like the most simplest shit. He's like, oh, I just found this on Splice and yeah, made this. I'm like, his other projects? I haven't heard his other projects. Bro, type in Elixir as soon as we get off this phone call. Elixir? Oh, shit. E-L-I-X-I-R. From Peekaboo. Yeah, that's his second project. It's sick. Oh, shit. That song, Passion, is nuts. Definitely throw that in your likes. Here's what I'll do. I'll send you a whole bunch of unreleased stuff. Yeah. Um, Because a lot of my stuff sits in unreleased. Mm -hmm. And then like when I hear it pop out live a lot, that's when I'm usually just like, all right, we'll label. Where are we going? Or am I going this by myself? Right. So a lot of my shit sits in unreleased like a while without a game plan, which I should really change up. But I mean, I like having I like having the underground stuff. Right. It's like a weird craving that I like. I've always liked underground stuff. That's dope. I'll yeah, send it over to me. I'll send you some of my stuff that's been sitting down for a while as well. Absolutely, bro. What was his name? Um, Elixir. No, 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 Elixir. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I got it. I got it right here. Um, the other plugins that I saw from Dr. Ozzy that he was testing that I've never heard in my goddamn life was Fracture XT and Palindrome by Glitch Machines. 
Yeah, see, Dr. Ozzy is one of those people. I watch his streams and he yeah. loses me sometimes because he's so technical and he uses like a lot of different things. Yeah. He like confuses me. A lot of people like that. And companies kind of like that too. Kyle is Kyle's different. I don't know. Ky- uh, I, Kyle's I, just Kyle's a cool friend of mine too. He's really cool. Well, shout like out. Like he was writing some Maddox packs. Yeah. I mean, oh, Kyle man. was the original OG of some Maddox packs, you know? Him and Tassion. Yeah, him and Tassion and at one point, Wooly Adam was part of that, and yeah. and Lane was part of that too. You know, at one point, and Phase yeah, One, bro. yeah, bro. Like we we're talking about some of these guys, you know, the, the big guys, Nasco too. But yeah, Ky- first time I ever met Kyle, I was like, dude, you make the most annoying snare in the goddamn world. That's getting like in everybody's tracks, and he's just like, he was just like, I can't tell if it's a compliment or not. <laughs> <laughs> this is like years ago. <laughs> I was like, yeah, bro. It's some nerdy shit. Whatever. Oh. No, I actually met him in the Ritz green room and we were like hanging out one night and he was like really, uh, he was just really open. That guy's really nice to talk to. No, he's definitely a nice guy. I met him. That through, guy never makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I met him. I never met him face to face. I met him through text messages and from and through like me- mentoring sessions uh, through nitty gritty. So obviously I met Kyle fr- through that and best thing I've ever experience I've ever got from him was how he makes his growls and how he makes his second growl to make a sound like a hoss effect on that growl. Yeah. So you can have that revert tail and then yeah. make another one with the same one but with all effects and then you just layer it down and have one nice little growl. I'm like, buy one growl and you got this ginormous growl and like, holy just shit. Just stacking. Just stacking. And, just stacking. I, and it was between him and Modestep that I learned how to construct my my drops by using one sound and just like do that one drop with that one sound. Just fuck it up how many times you want to and just have it like Lego blocks, you know, like, all right, this, then this, then this, and then this and have one cohesive con- song because they told me like, you know, if you make it with one sound, it makes it sound much more cohesive than if you're like doing one sound for a certain part and then have a, growl from a different sample pack or something yeah, like that. It's like different it, it needs to work cohesively. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah, in a sense. And working key. Yeah. You got any favorite producers out right now? Like almost like maybe even some young guns, people that like don't get talked about? I do. I do. Like right now, Los Chameleon, I interviewed him just recently. Shout out to him. Um he's by far one of my favorite producers right now because oh, yeah. He really he sent me like a huge unreleased list of music that he hasn't released before. There's like 40, 50, 60 songs. Like it's a ridiculous amount. But yeah, people sh- like Leatrix are like that. Leatrix yeah. sends around packs that are like 60 tracks deep. I'm like, dude, what the fuck is the matter? Like, yeah, like <laughs> what the fuck? Like, send this already. Like, or release this shit already. I'm telling you, right now, I'm shocked. I'm honestly shocked that he hasn't been picked up by anybody. Or anybody's yeah. been playing his music because I am not tuning anyone's horns. When I see talent, I see talent. This kid Hell is yeah. from Greece and he's very talented. So is bro. They're always the. It's always the ones that don't have that don't have a scene around them strong enough. Yeah, that make the most out of pocket music. Like exactly. I have this song with this dude from fucking Italy. His name is Eater. He's this dude from Italy just makes trap music, but every time he sends me demos, he sends me like a lot of them for one. And then to, because he's not out during the weekends going to shows, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's not out like getting part of the culture. Yeah, so but- like, which is also weird because once they get to move over here and do that stuff, 
like they don't they don't know all the people that we've known for years, so we can actually like warn them about people. Yeah, basically, that's a big thing because there's a lot of snakes too. Oh yeah, I've I've dealt with that a lot of than here in in South Florida, bro. You'll be surprised. Oh uh, yeah, South Florida is the realm, bro. I mean, you live and learn, right? I mean, that's the that's honestly you use those people as fucking like ammo. Like you use that like like what they did as something that you're gonna avoid if you don't like what they did. Yeah, exactly. So. Or I use that. I use that as a yeah. I use that as an ammunition for myself to show them like I'm gonna prove you wrong so badly that you wish that you would never cross me. Honestly, the rule is just don't be a piece of shit. Exactly. In my opinion, I mean, a lot what of is so hard that. for that? Like, don't be a piece of shit and don't do stupid things. Don't uh, don't take anybody else's money. Be Those are like basic humble. fucking rules. Humble about it. Like everything fucking up that alley. It's just like. Like, what's so wrong that. about that? Like, why is it so hard for you to do stuff like that? It's not hard to be a good person. It is not. Why what I didn't like is like promoters taking money from like oh, up bro. and comers, bro. That was like, that was, that's like the one thing I wanted to like slap promoters, bro. Bro, do you have no idea how it was back then when I was starting to come up? Back then, oh, back then, I never, not one show have I ever performed, I ever get paid. It was always by ticket sales. Oh, I mean, I was free. I was, I was always uh, free too, bro. I know. Yeah. Until about, until about the last couple of years. Until yeah. about the last couple of years, I was always free. It was always free on my end as well. And it's like, I had to like work extremely hard just to get to this. And sometimes I, I, I go, I remember that I travel with Ricky on his Florida tour. I was his driver at that time. And we went to oh, Gainesville yeah. and he had to perform one of his shows with Bonnie and Clyde at that time. And Oh, that was, yeah, that was an arrow. And Ooh. I remember that there was these two kids from Gainesville that were called Part Native, and they did a song yeah, with bro, Ricky. Yeah, bro, they are the most, Part Native is like the reason why my sound sounds this way, because they were like that underground. Really? Like, they, I looked at Trip and Daniel, and I was like, bro, you guys are fucking like, you guys are so good. The sub bass sounds exactly where I like it. They even like gave me pointers. They used to like, they used to give me pointers, and then like, and then Trip went off and did fucking uh, shipwreck and yeah. shipwrecks even like clean house music that I love. Like I think it's sick. Like it was dope. It was dope, man. I I, I enjoyed Trip and Dale at that time when I met them, man. They were cool people, and we were just hanging around in the hotel, you know, exchanging ideas and shit. And I remember at that time when we went to the uh, to dinner with the promoters. You know, the promoters came over and it's like, hey, here's your your money for tonight's show. I'm like, oh goddamn. You guys, wait, you guys are getting paid for it to play? And they're like, yeah, don't you? I'm like, uh, I'm just a driver. Parnado was popping. I wish Parnado was still a thing. Bro. Yeah. Imagine the music they would have been making now, bro. Oh, bro, man. I remember when they did that Harvey J song with Nitty Gritty. That, that one was cool. I was a big fan of their Chicken Soup remix. Oh, wow. I remember the, the Chicken Yeah. <laughs> They elevated trap music past that, like, because, like, you had, like, R.L. Grime and you had Carmack and shit. Like, their, like, progressions were good, but their quality wasn't, like, slapping you in the face. Right. Part Native's quality was just all around the same with that writing. And then everybody else started stepping up after that. Yeah. Yeah, in a way. If I, yeah. Shit, man. I think these guys even... Because around that era, around that era, Bilo started making, like, more, like, more like in your face. Yeah, that is true. 
all them, all them like, like it wasn't even like because of them, but it's just like when one or two or three people kind of like push that bar, it starts to become popular around. So other people start to grab at that and they realize, oh, I can make that same kind of quality or like genre even. Right. Damn. Heart native, bro. That's fucking, that was a weird one to bring up. They were like, bro, I used to try to copy them. I was like, Daniel, what is this? Or it was Trip. I said, Trip, what is the chain that you guys are using for your goddamn like base? I asked him through like Snapchat. And like they like told me and I instantly put it on my thing and I was like, wow, this just cut six months out of my life. I was like, it took me another six months to figure this out, at least. At least, bro. Yeah. Yeah. That was good times, man. I I like that, man. Yeah, man. Hopefully I get picked up booked up at Miami soon. I'll definitely have y'all come out and chill. Absolutely, bro. Same, same, bro. Like we'll drink, I, bro. Yeah, show me Miami. Yeah, Want bro. Some good food. I'm Absolutely. a big foodie. Hey, I'll show you the best Puerto Rican restaurant here in Miami. Heads down. About? Make sure that mofongo is on point. Oh yeah. I need oh, yeah. that. I mean, I mean, tostones are always on point, in my opinion. Like it's hard to fuck up twice fried plantains. Yeah, I don't know how you fuck up with that. People do fuck them up though. There's some bad. There's some bad restaurants out there. I'm sure. Jesus. Like, nah. Or they try to find something different. I used to work at a restaurant that served tostones with short rib on the top, bro. Mm. Mm. Some fresh salsa. Mm. 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 Dude, I'm gonna. Now eat. I'm getting hungry. Yeah, I'm gonna start eating very soon, bro. Yeah, man. Yo, we're gonna wrap this up with a few more questions that we can go and and eat out. Up to now, why has it that you decided to name yourself Plasma out of like multiple names that you made? Well, have? Plasma started as a duo with somebody. Oh, okay. And um, we were just like writing on Apple Notes, like things that sounded cool, like mm. words that sounded cool. And this is crazy that you're asking me this question because I've never answered this question for somebody. Oh. And I know exactly how to answer it. So we wrote it down, right? And I was just like, man... Nightmares dropping vowels. So I, was yeah. like, so I said, how about we just dip an A off of there and make it PLSMA? And we we're just like, done deal, this and that. So over time, I've always tried to find stuff to incorporate with it. Uh, like right now, my branding concept is kind of going into like plasma screen TVs. Mm. Like that's how I want to like incorporate all this oh, stuff okay. because I want to do a lot of like movie sampling and stuff. It's gonna be a fucking wild. I'll I'll show you all that like when yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, all together. Yeah. But fucking um, I had the the A dropped and people were just like, oh, is it please ma? <laughs> and I was just like, I was just like, no, just read it as you would nightmare, yada yada yada. And they got over it and this and that. But as of like a couple months ago, I was um heritage good friend of mine, hits me up and he just goes randomly one day, he goes, yo, is your name Plasma runoff of Psalm, like the book of Psalms? Because when you reshuffle them, mm-hmm. P-L-S-M-A can be Psalm, P-S-A-L-M. And I was like, what? Hold up. That's kind of fucking weird, right? So check it out. It gets weirder. I looked up the book of Psalms. It's like, you know, the Old Testament. It's religious values. Okay. If you look up the Greek mythology meaning for psalm, it's master of instrumental music. And I was blown the fuck away. I was like, there's no fucking way that I misspelled this word just because it looked cool to reshamble into master of music. Yo. I know. And that's why I was like, 
I tell my friends that and they're like, oh my God, what the fuck? And I was like, it's almost like it was meant to be. Like the Old Testament called upon me to misspell a word. <laughs> like that's how fucking real it was, bro. I was like, I was like, this is fate. I was like, this is fate here. If I don't do music, like there's no, there's nothing else. It must be fate. It has it, to be. But it, like, dude, master of music, like that's like a one in a trillion chance. Without even knowing it. Nah, Dude. bro. That that's fake. There's no coincidence. That's that's fake. gotta be the coolest. Na- that's gotta be the coolest story for a name I've seen, and I didn't even know it when I made the name. Holy shit! Fucking crazy. Jesus, bro. It that- made me so excited to like work on more tunes. I was just like, "Dude, people are gonna fucking know this. I'm gonna have a fan base at some point. It doesn't matter when. When this fan base figures out this little thing, they're gonna be like, they're gonna lose their shit, bro." I'm right now. Yeah. I'm right now. I I got mind fucked out of this shit right now. I'm just like it's fucking weird. Whoa, like, bro! I make dubstep. That's instrumental music. Yeah, that's what's weird about it. Yeah, that's why I'm like, okay, it's not even like I'm sitting in rap music and finding this no, out. It is an it's instrumental music. Like I'm actually music. making instrumental. Yeah, because everything you make, it, it, it's a sound. There's like a hundred really? tracks out of your session, and each track is a different sound. Yeah, and one vote and maybe one vocal for the pre-drop. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. That's dope. Uh, yeah, I'm wow. That's a fucking weird one, right? I yeah, was like, I know. Jesus I've Christ. never heard such a shit like this in my life. And I'm like, <laughs> you just dropped me a, a F bomb on me. And I'm like, oh my God. I, I told Blunt Blunt's that one night. It, me and Blunt's were chilling one night. I was just like, bro, you should see this shit I figured out. And he goes, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine his little high ass just. I was know. gonna say, like, yo, imagine him high as fuck listening to that shit. <laughs> yeah, that's it's funny. That's good, bro. That I love this story, bro. I love it, bro. Yeah, that was probably a good. That was a good question to answer. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, like, I don't know if I should continue on with whatever is left, bro. Because this what the is- fuck else is left? Let's go. All right, <laughs> up to now, bro. Tell me up to now, what has been your greatest accomplishment? My greatest accomplishment? Yeah. If it came to like the professionalism and stuff. Okay. Um, releasing a song or like not like the business side of things or even like the streams and stuff like that. Um, me and my friend Freaky from North Carolina, we created a song called Murder that we talked about at a music festival. And the um, it's crazy because you can literally do music anywhere, bro. So like we're at this music festival, right? And he goes, yo, I want to collab. And I was just like, all right, cool. So I go home to Florida after being in Atlanta for like four days, getting absolutely fucking tossed because it's a four-day festival. And um, I get home and I'm like, yo, I really want to start this collab with Freaky, right? So we make this song in about three hours. It's called Murder. It's at, It was out on Hybrid Trap. That was like the first one that ever came out. Oh. Yeah. And we did a part two that went on Subsidia recently. Um, that was like earlier this year. Uh, Riot 10 has been playing that one out a lot. Oh, shit. But fucking, but fucking um, the thing was, we needed a pre-drop vocal because we had like a rap song as a pre-drop vocal. And I was at work one day and I was a server at a restaurant at the time. And <laughs> I just went into like the server station because I was thinking about the tune the whole time. I opened my voice memos. Uh, this was like the, the end of October. I like opened my voice memos and I said this thing in... I said, coming for your neck, but like in a weird way mm. into my voice memos. Then I took it home, plugged it in the track. Two weeks later, I'm walking through Excision's headline at EDC Orlando and I hear, coming, coming for your neck. And he was the only DJ that I sent it to before EDC. And I was in the middle of the crowd 
70,000 people. I recorded the iPhone vocal, the vocal on my iPhone two weeks before that. That's sick. And I was like leaving, bro. I was like on my way out. It was like the last song that I heard before I fucking left too. And I was like in the middle of the crowd and I had nobody there with me, none of my friends, because I had to get to my car. I had to go play an after party. And um, I'm like, I'm like in the middle of the crowd. I'm like looking at people. I'm like, who the fuck do I tell this to? Who's going to believe me oh right now? Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, I got the vocal sample right here. It was like our song. And that video went viral on Twitter, Twitter like the next day. And that was like the only time I'd ever went viral on Twitter. That's fire. It was just fucking weird. And it was a fan that like took a picture, took a video of it and they just loved the song and everybody loved the song, which was cool. But none of them knew that I was like standing in the goddamn crowd, not even knowing that that would be in excision set. And it was just like, bro, it was like one of those feelings that like it was a long, hot day. I was tired. I'm going to a fucking gig. That was just like the fucking, that was cool. That's dope, bro. That was cool because you don't think excision is going to be playing your shit out. And then all of a sudden he's doing it headlining and you're like, I'm here. Bro, something like that happened to me with Adventure Club. They were performing in Lollapalooza and and apparently they play a song that I did with Big and Slim. Oh, I love those boys. Oh, shout out to Chris and Andrew. Bro, bro. Those fucking, are, yeah, no, bro. Those are fucking rough metal boys. Fucking homie, guys. Those guys. Bro, yeah, they're cool. I kid you Chris not. Is really good. I was in, in the middle of work. And somebody texted me in the group says like, yo, you guys know that Wolfson and, and Song got played at La Palooza by Adventure Club? And I'm like, what? That's wild. Like, what? And then when I look at it, it was it was my song with, with Big and Slim. I'm like, yo, what? That's wild. Uh, after that, I was like, I did it. I did it. Mama, I made Dude. it to Forbes. Dude, one that's fucking crazy because Adventure Club's huge, yeah. and that's like a that's like borderline a pop play out at that point, and you I, know, because they're like they're as big as in in my eyes in dubstep, they're like the top, like when it comes to like um oh yeah no they're they're big big like when it comes to commercialism like people that don't listen to EDM know who they are yeah it's like chain smokers it's, it's you took the words out of my yeah. mouth yeah it's yeah. that they're that big and for the and chain smokers had selfie and selfie wasn't it yeah no you know what I mean. Still were big. It just wasn't fucking it. Exactly. And then they came out closer and it was game over. They were coasting from there. That's Man. Wild. <laughs> That's yeah, wild. bro. One time, one time, so Mike, uh, Blunts and Blondes, I, I keep running back to Blunts because he's literally lives down the street from me. But um, another accomplishment was like, I made an edit of a song um, of this, of this song, but the night before he played Red Rocks and we were just sitting there just like, crushing out edits and stuff. And like, he had like a 6 a.m. flight. So like, he stayed up all night to like, get ready for the set and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And we're all like, kind of bouncing off each other's ideas because I needed edits for sets that I was playing later in the month. So I was just like, yo, go test them out at Red Rocks kind of thing. But like, holy shit, you're about to play all my shit out at Red Rocks. It's cool. He played this one that I made the night before and had Halsey vocals over it, over an R.L. Grimes song into like this Calcium song that I also had like my drop infused with it too it was like a five song edit and he played it the next day and bro it was like phone light hour kind of like playing so like people heard this and they started going fucking nuts and he caught a video of it and he was just like bro that one is a problem and then he played it every single festival from there and it became everybody knew that edit nobody knew it was mine ever but like (laughs) after a while other producers start coming yo mike told me that that's your edit yada 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 you send it over and i'm like nah man nah 
I saw, dude. I saw. Nah, you don't I even saw. fucking talk to yeah. me, bro. <laughs> you and your fake ass, how are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I saw. I saw. See you later, dude. <laughs> saw, dude. See you fucking later. Oh, my God, bro. I'm loving this, man. So what is it that you're currently doing right now? And what do you hope to accomplish? What I hope to accomplish is it's it seems far-fetched. But like if I stay to it, like it seems like something that I could definitely get into. Mm. I have extreme goals of being just like Pharrell Williams and controlling 90% of the radio. Oh, so I want to control 90% of the radio, whether it be mixing and mastering something, writing something, having something, my song, just working anything. with multiple yeah. artists that are just A-listers. Like I'm cool with that and never touring again. <laughs> like I could, I could do that and I'd be fine. But like at the end of the day, touring's an adrenaline, bro. So it's like, I, I really, an accomplishment for me right now, like a short-term goal is yeah. definitely to get tour hopping. I think by the beginning of next year, we should have that all figured out. That's dope. But other than that, like with the music and stuff, like labels and stuff, like mm. I'm never going to say like a music, like a label is my goal. Cause like I've noticed that like labels have been my goal before, shot them down. And then um, their artists have played out those songs. Yeah. And I'm like, and like made them go viral. And I'm like, why the fuck would you guys say no to them? So like I'm at that point where I'm like, with music, if you're ready for it, they're ready for it. These labels will be ready for it, yeah. all of them at some point whether I'm 65 years old or it's tomorrow. So music's timeless, man. I agree, man. One last question and we can wrap this up right here. Let's just say that some aliens out of some different world come over and say, yo, we need your help, man. Like our species is dying and we need, and only you can help us. But before, before we take you, Here's a piece of paper. Write down three pieces of advice that you give to somebody. What are those three pieces of advice? Uh, always stay ahead so you're never behind. That's key. There's so much, so much advice. <laughs> but like, there's so much advice because right. I've made so many mistakes. Yeah. But like, I'd say stick to your guns. Mm. Like, because there are songs that like I made like three years ago. Bro, there's songs that I've made three years ago that I forgot about and picked up two months ago and like spent 20 minutes in the project. And now it's like the new banger. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's like stick to your guns and stick to your sound and whatever you want to make when it comes to your projects. The last piece of advice, don't fold. People are so easy to like make you feel like shit, even though they're not intending on making you feel like shit, like promoters and stuff. Yeah. Like when they don't pay you or they don't book you or something like that. Yeah. You know, just don't don't stop trying to get that booking, even though you, you could gain value somewhere else. Like you could become a better producer to the point where they want to book you. Or it's not even just them. It's like if labels deny your stuff, that's why managers pay, play a huge role. Like mm. at someone who someone who like gets on labels consistently and they have like a manager that's like fresh and new and like ready to go you gotta have like a manager that's like that doesn't either one take no shit or two like when they're when they're sending emails it's different than when you're sending emails because they're not working on the kick the snare the hi-hats for seven eight hours at a time building mm. passion into it if you're sitting there sending those emails and you're kind of like an artist that's like on the cusp kind of thing it's not 
it's not bad to ask for help from like other artists. Like never be afraid to ask for help should really be like the third one, to be honest, in my opinion. Or we can add it as a fourth, but like Yeah, that's fine. Uh, because when I was always scared to ask for help and then once I did, it was a lot easier for me to um like repay them for helping. So for me to like actually help them out mm-hmm. and it would actually like make me feel like like it was worth asking them because like people could say no all they want but like if you're sticking to your guns too like they're not going to say no at some point at some point you're gonna you're gonna have the point to where but you got to be humble about it like yeah you can't be humble like those motherfuckers like yeah yada 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 like i have that once in a while by myself i'm not even gonna fucking i won't even cap like sometimes sometimes i'll have labels hit me up that want to sign myself and i'm like where were you at fucking three years ago bro and i'm like thinking in my head just as like a funny way but like it's still true. Yeah. It's like, it's like, don't think that those people aren't going to be back because there's people that were, that weren't there for me at first that like, you know, like are trying to get all up in, all up in the shits later when they see shits popping a little bit. So you just gotta, you know, stick to your people. You also got to have a healthy friend group. Healthy friend group is like the main important thing, bro. I agree. A healthy friend group goes such a long way because most of mine were on Xbox and it was like, Blunts, Kevin Flum, Bilo. Bro, they've had, we've all had days where we want to just crumble and like we would just log on Xbox and like our friends would make us feel better. So, like, keeping like a support system around you that has, that doesn't even fucking talk about the music, that doesn't even like, like, if you're like, oh, this didn't happen, yada, 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 because I'm being impatient, low key. Like, those people aren't going to be like, you got this, bro. They're going to be like, no, get your shit together and then let's enjoy this fucking two hours we got to play the video game and then you can go execute that idea later. Yeah. How about that? That's a friend to me. Mm-hmm. A friend to me will like literally tell me how it is. And that's what uh, most people, in my opinion, need. But a lot of their support systems that they surround themselves with give them that fake like, you got this. You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 and you just hit the nail in the coffin, bro. I know. I need someone to be fucking yelling at me. I need someone to be like, yo, quit the fucking shit. Get this the way it is. And you got it. And I'm like, okay, that works a lot better for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't feel like now I don't feel like I'm I'm a baby being caressed right. at that point. But that was yeah. probably a funny one to leave off on. I agree, man. Thank you very much, bro. I love, Absolutely, bro. I love the advice, man, bro. And I hope that many of our listeners and followers and viewers can actually appreciate the time and listen to this, you know, and actually take notes because most of the stuff that we dropped today are literally truth bonds and, uh, and realistic shit that we've gone through in this industry, you know. And yeah, this, is, this is stuff that People need to take advantage and and use this opportunity to advance your career even further. Because if not, if I don't do this, bro, it's a never-ending cycle, you know? I know. And that's insanity. And that's insanity, you know? So I'm breaking these chains and I'm I'm always open to check out new cats, man. I mean, another aspect for my podcast is I'm trying to push the narrative of these people that who are talented as fuck and nobody's looking at that. Nobody's paying attention. I'm trying yeah. to put them on the map. Like, That's one of those people, bro. Yeah, bro. I I want to put them on the map. Just like I like I I told Dream Takers. Just like I I told Lost Communion. 
in the same way I'm telling you and everyone else, anybody who comes to this show, bro, I want to try to help you guys as much as possible and put you out on the map. Heck and yeah, bro. Let everybody know your story. I'm sure I'll see you in Miami soon. We'll be chilling. Absolutely, bro. So Absolutely, no, bro. Definitely. It's good meeting you, too. It's great meeting you. And um, before we leave, plug yourself out, man. Let the people know where they can follow you and spend your news music. SoundCloud forward slash Plasma. Um, PLSMA on any kind of you know Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, that's the main source. My Instagram's at plasma.jpg. I know it's all over the place, but for some reason that drop day, bro, people yeah. take that. I don't know why. <laughs> and like, and so like, my Twitter's plasma music. My Facebook's plasma music. It's plasma.jpg on Instagram. SoundCloud's like, like Spotify, all that stuff. That's yeah. what you gotta mean. Plasma. You know, pay attention to PLSMA with the drop day. That's it. Basically, well, man, thank you very much for coming into the show. It was an honor and privilege, brother, for you coming. Absolutely, over. bro. It was Had good talking to you. Great talking to you, man. And thank you guys for listening. And remember, every week it's a brand new episode with a brand new topic. So be sure to like and subscribe for your weekly episodes at the Lone Wolf Podcast for SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and of course the YouTube channel at lonewolfpop.com that's lonewolfpop.com where you can check all my latest episodes please help me out subscribe let's get to 100 subscribers if we do I'll give out a free stems for one of my music and you guys can do a remix out of it let's do a competition let's just and I can do like a one-on-one session with you guys and we can talk shit or whatever Let's just get to 100 subscribers on YouTube, guys. Let's just make this shit happen. So one more thing. One more I'm thing. I'm making a sample pack right now. Boom. Lone Wolf Podcast exclusive. Let's go. Yeah, that's the first time anybody's heard that. Let's go. I got a fatty coming, boys. Plasma, All the producers. Plasma sample pack. Let's go. Coming Y'all in, Y'all want them drums, boy. Y'all get them. Here we go, guys. So. Comment down below. Let me hear your thoughts. Share your experiences. If you guys got a specific topic that you want me to cover or we want Plasma to cover on the next episode, please let us know on the comments down below and we'll probably go ahead and do so. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you guys with the next one. This is-